Welcome to the post-Thanksgiving week edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Sacken, alongside my good friend and co-host, sports director at KORN Radio there in Mitchell, South Dakota, Travis Crins. Travis, let me be among the last to wish you oh. a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. We were the first and the last. No, not, not the only one, but the first and the last. So, thank you for that. You're very welcome. Very welcome. Uh... Hope your turkey day was good. Lots of good food. We had lots of good football. Uh, may, may I say, uh, I feel like the turkey the turkey gets a bad rap on Thanksgiving. Yeah. It's, it's the main course of the meal, of course. It's the biggest thing, takes the longest. And I think we had some really good turkey on Thursday. I think it comes down to how the turkey is prepared or what marinades or spices are added to it to give it a little more flavor and not make it quite so dry. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, yeah it was a spatchcock to where like, you break the... Bless you, what the hell did you just say? Bless you, what the hell did you just say? Spatchcock, what? It's called spatchcock, it's where you spread it out, where you break it. Okay. And then you spread it out. So I did that, and then, I mean, dark meat's better than white meat. I mean, just, you know. Um, but, yeah, it was very good turkey, I thought. And, I don't know, just feels like, because you don't ever do a turkey before that. And I just think of all the things we do this time of the year that we never do. You never have a turkey. Like Chex Mix. We had Chex Mix, and it was very good. Mm-hmm. Never have Chex Mix any other time of the year except now. Yep. And all these cookies and chocolates and shits. It's probably good we don't have them very often. Yeah, because otherwise we'd all be gaining 100 pounds, right? Yes. So it's like, why why do we have chocolate candy things during Christmas holiday? I don't know. It's just the way it is. Christmas cookies, Christmas chocolates. I don't know. That's just what we do, I guess. Well, it's like, why do we dye eggs at Easter? South Park knows. I don't know. South Park knows. They understand. Um, like, what, what the hell does an Easter bunny have to do with Jesus Christ? Yes. Uh, for God's sake. Yeah, we, we don't know. But South Park knows. South Park knows. You've seen that episode, right? No. I don't eat no. You haven't? Oh. You, 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 told, you told me about it. You yes. told me about the Easter bunny yeah. or something. Yep, it, it's it's well worth the the watch of the 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 meaning of Easter from South Park. Yeah, because that's who we we go to for talking about the meaning of Easter. But going back to Thanksgiving, uh, I, I I like stuffing. I really do. I think stuffing is the best part of the meal. Arguably, uh, you get your mashed potatoes, you get the good gravy, you put a little corn and stuff on it. That's fine. The dinner roll too. You got to have a good dinner roll with your Thanksgiving dinner. Um, but it's the stuffing for me. Stuff I love, love stuffing. Is there something weird that you have that is it normal? Well, everyone kind of makes their stuffing a little differently. My dad makes it differently. Kelsey's mom makes it differently. But they both taste yeah. fantastic. So it's all just in the in the type of preparation. Um, I don't care. It's it's really good. I've had uh, stuffing before with ra- uh, with raisins in it, and that was good. Like yeah. My grandma used to make that. Oysters. Yeah, is there any other food that you have that is different? Oysters. Or is it pretty much normal stuff? Did I hear Melissa just say oysters? Oysters at Thanksgiving. I feel oysters during Christmas. What? I, I, you mean, should never have oysters to begin with. Oysters are disgusting. 
Yeah. I, I, we, we would have it during Christmas. I wouldn't partake, but I've seen it during Christmas. Like, I can't drink eggnog. During, I, I don't like eggnog to begin with, but eggnog is very much a Christmas drink, a holiday yeah, drink. Yeah, I'm, I'm not eating that either. I'm not drinking that. Um, let's see, I mean, you get your, your green bean casserole, I would say, is probably a Thanksgiving staple. a fruit, maybe a fruit salad that people have their own fruit salads. Fruit, yep, yep. And a different, um, we had a good apple pie for dessert, so I was good. Maybe apple pie. Yep, a caramel Dutch, oh, I, I gotta tell you, if you're talking about pie, again, the best pie I've ever had is the strawberry pie at Al's Oasis in Chamberlain. It is so damn good. Um, it is good, yeah. yeah it's just the bee's knees. It, again, like strawberry pie, I love strawberries. It's my favorite pie, uh, but it's a unbelievably underrated pie because everybody says apple and pumpkin and, you know, cherry and key lime and whatever, banana cream. But... Strawberry pie. I mean, fuck. It's the other pies are. It's the fruit, and they're kind of mushed down and cut up. With the strawberries, it's sometimes whole strawberries. Yes. Yep. Big pieces of strawberries. Yep. And if you like strawberries, I don't know how the hell. No, strawberry pie isn't isn't at the top of your list, but it rarely gets mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I I do like key lime pie, but strawberry pie is is definitely at the top of the list. I do like a caramel apple pie. What I don't like is pumpkin. I'm not a pumpkin guy. I love uh, my my mom used to make this pumpkin mousse. It was very good. It was just like pudding oh. essentially. Very good. That's the only type of like pumpkin that I like because. Uh, Dairy Queen has this pumpkin pie blizzard. Get the fuck out of here with that. I don't like that shit. Get it out. Give me the, the apple pie blizzard or the caramel apple pie blizzard. Pumpkin, no, way overrated. Are they back for the season? Pumpkin is. They didn't, they're didn't. they choosing not to bring back apple And uh, despite my tweets. I tweeted them one year. And they replied back and said, oh, sorry, we're not bringing it back, but here, enjoy these other flavors. Like, fuck you guys. I don't want that. I want apple. What, the year that, that they had, like, the apple and the pumpkin, like, you decide which is better. Apple was a thousand times better than pumpkin. I got both. Yeah, I, I mean, apple and ice cream, that kind of goes together. Yeah. Pumpkin, pumpkin and ice cream, not as much. No, no. So. Well, while we're on the, on, on the subject of non-sports. Yes. I for you sent a tweet out a month ago. I've been meaning to talk about. Uh oh, uh oh. What did I say? Something about pumping gas and pain at the pump. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. What What was that about? I I really don't like it when I'm going to when I need to fill up with gas and the only thing I can do is either pay at the pump or I have to prepay inside. I hate it. Um, Why do you like to to fill up and then go inside? Yes, yep, because I don't know how much, I can guess how much money it's going to cost me to fill up, but I don't know for sure. And prepay is, I I just, I don't feel it's the safest route to go. I, it's, you know, I think it's too easy to, to steal numbers and whatnot, despite what they say about, oh, you know, you know, oh, we're very secure. Whatever. I prefer to just go inside. Plus, like, like I think that that day that I pumped gas, I was looking forward to getting a donut. I just was craving a donut. It was at a quick trip. I don't know if you've ever been to a quick trip before. Outstanding. Uh, they have outstanding donuts at the quick trip. 
And I was like, I'm, I'm kind of hankering a donut here. So I stopped and I had to fill up with gas. And the only thing I could do was prepay at the pump and or, or go inside. I, I don't even think I could go inside. I think it was just a prepay pump. Even though they were open, I'm like, what the fuck is this? I like that gives me, You're losing money by me not going into the store and having to give you a card. You should give me the option of going inside to pay after I'm done pumping or, I, 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 like, it's, it's just bad. Now, I understand why, because too many people leave without going in and paying, so they, they kind of limit the options there in that regard. So, some bad apples out there are affecting it for everyone. But overall, I absolutely hate, 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 despise paying at the pump. I would much rather go inside and pay. I don't know the last time that I didn't pay at the pump. I just, I can. I, I always pay at the pump. I, I just don't like it. And you feel secure, like no one's going to take oh, yeah, your, your I, financial I'm information. Yeah, because um, usually it's, you know, pay inside or pay outside with debit or credit. Yep. Like debits. You put your card in, you take it out, and it's ready to go. You fill up, and you're on the way. Yeah, I, and that's fine if you want to do that. I have no issues if you want to do it, but that should be my only option is to either prepay or um, or pay at the pump. I don't like prepay. Um, no, I don't like that at all. I, don't well, wanna... I guess like when we were on vacation, like if you pay with cash, it's like 10 cents cheaper. Yes. Yep. I wasn't too aware of. Uh, the, what's, uh, it's the, the gas station right off of I-29 in Watertown. Um, it's like a Tesoro gas station. They, uh, they always have it. If you pay in cash, it's like a, a nickel cheaper or something like that. In Oregon, I think Oregon and maybe one other state, like they pump it for you. New Jersey. New Jersey is the only other mm-hmm. state. So, I mean, that's just, because we were out there, we filled up maybe once or twice in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Where you are there, and you give them your card, and they pay for you, and then they put it in. It's like, yeah, why, why do you do this? Yeah, it's like, what, what, are we in the 1950s here? Yes, like, I don't know why they used to be that way, but it's just quicker to do it yourself, because you know what you want. They don't got to ask, well, what do you want? You want this? You want that? You want E85? Like, can I just fucking do it, please? Because this takes longer if you're going to do it for me. This is ridiculous. So when you were out, when you were in Oregon there on your guys' honeymoon, did, were you not aware that they... Um... Yeah, we, we were aware. And oh, so you like, were. Okay, okay. If you go up here, somebody's going to have to do it, and there's a guy or a lady at the pump, and that, yep. what a weird fucking job to have. Yeah, I, I just was curious, because I, I imagine some people who are in Oregon and New Jersey or just coming in that aren't aware that uh, yeah. that you can't pump your own gas. I know New Jersey, I think, is that, or, or one of the two states is trying to get a law where people can pump their own gas. But if you're unaware of that, I think it would be very weird to go pull in uh, if you need gas and all of a sudden someone's coming to do it. Like, what? wait, 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 what? What are you doing here? That that would be a good premise, I think, for a Seinfeld episode. You have yes. maybe an older person or the parents of the main characters 
they don't want that, and they get in a confrontation with somebody that pumps their gas. Never did that, but, maybe uh, Kramer. Maybe Kramer gets a job pumping gas in New Jersey, and um, all of a sudden it's like the mailman, um, the mailman's folks. Uh, or, or Elaine's folks. Does Kramer ever meet Elaine's folks? Does Elaine? Does do Elaine's folks even make an appearance in the in the series? Her dad <laughs> made one appearance early on. Her mom was never on the show. Kramer's mom was on a couple episodes. I never met his dad. And then George and Jerry's parents were on quite often. Yes. So I think like. Maybe Kramer fills up like Elaine's dad's car with gas. Yeah, it, yeah. it could. That has potential. Something. Yeah, be good there. So that is the that is the premise. That is the genesis for my uh, the tweet. There, I don't like it when I have to prepay at the pump because that then if I even not saying that I go in and buy something every time I fill up with gas at a gas station I rarely do but on that off chance that I do want something you making me prepay at the pump eliminates any chance that I'm just going to go inside regardless so you're losing the sale that, yeah that aspect it's, it's good for them to have you come in mm-hmm. buy something that you don't need uh, initially so for them yeah that would make sense for them but I get it from their standpoint. If people are driving off without paying for gas, that's where you jot down. You you have cameras out there. You get the license plate number and you make them pay a heavy fine. And there you go. So that's that. Uh, but I, again, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. We had great football, um, great football games. The Detroit Buffalo game. The ending was fantastic. Uh, I guess Dallas and the Giants was easily the worst game of the three. And then the Vikings came back and beat the Patriots. Um, no thanks to their defense. Oh, oh, so you're telling me it was a close game at the end that was decided on the final drive. The, the, what, what game? The Vikings. It was a good game back and forth. They were, like, the game was in within one possession all the way through. Did they ever trail? Who? The Vikings. Yes. 23 to 16 right. and 10 to 7 um 13 they tra- they trailed a bunch I believe in that game it is it is just unbelievable that this continues to happen well when you're every, out, every game is a one score game when you're out though three of your top guys in the secondary oh I'm not sure but, but like, it's like it just even last year and in the last couple games the last year didn't Factor, but just just it's an unprecedented streak yes. of close games. Yes. No, no team has ever done that. No, it it, it, it is rather bizarre. Um, and primetime Kirk didn't make an appearance. It was a good primetime <laughs> Kirk. Uh, I mean, he had the one bad interception, and then other than that, he was pretty. He was flawless. All just about. I mean, thirty or thirty-seven. He had the second between. Um, him and you know Justin Jefferson throwing that pass to Adam Thielen on the first drive of the game. They had the second highest completion percentage against a Bill Belichick coach team in 364 games. So, the, out of 364 teams, only one other team has uh, had a higher throwing uh, completion percentage against a Bill Belichick coach team. 
that's pretty good. And I believe that was the Miami Dolphins in the Wildcat um, era. Who was Chad Pennington? Either with the Dolphins or maybe the Jets. I thought I saw I thought the offense was more consistent. They didn't score at the beginning and then score a bunch at the end. They scored throughout the game, so that was good. Mm-hmm. Score 26. They had the kick return to make it 33 because, you know, and Wanu hasn't done anything this year, really. Well, he hasn't had a chance. Everyone kicks well, away from him. So it was good to see him break one off. I still hate this defense. I hate yep. Ed Donatel. I think he sucks. Yep. I hate his... Even when they're healthy, I hate their idea of defense. Yep. The, the shell defense, I guess, of playing your safeties extremely deep, I guess, and keeping everything in front of you. And But that's like every every team is starting to do that now. That's why scoring's down this year. Well, I guess the, the philosophy is we'll give you your yards and we'll assume at some point you'll mess up and we'll get a turnover here or there. So, because uh, Matt Jones had like a career night for him statistically. Yes, yep. And, oh. yep. yeah. Well, the, the, go ahead. I'm sorry. He had the big, um, the Hunter Henry catch that wasn't. Yep. I don't, it was close, but the, I mean, the ball clearly hit, hit the turf. See, so I, I'm, I, honestly, I'm I don't that, know about that. I don't know about that one for sure. I kept looking at it, and I thought his hand was underneath it. Now, when he gained, like, regained uh, possession of the football, he he was behind the end zone. So, I mean, it it would have been like, I would have said it was a catch. It would have been fourth and goal at, like, the half-yard line or the one-yard line. It wasn't a touchdown for me, but I did think he made the catch. I thought it was very close. I thought the laces were on the ground. Yeah, and if so, so that's fine. I, I'm totally fine with that. I was just expecting, yeah. like Terry McCauley on the on NBC was like, oh, he was just so uh, definitive with it. Like this is not a catch. Like, how the hell can you say that so with so much conviction? I'm looking at this. I can't tell. It looks like his hands underneath it the whole time. That's very close. So yeah, they beat New England and. I'm concerned about this Jets game because the Jets actually have a quarterback now. Yes, so. they do. Yes, they do. I mean, would, would teams quit giving guys a shot that aren't very good just because they were a high pick? Yep. We've seen plenty of Zach Wilson. Yep. I don't need to see a – we've seen a season and a half of him, and he has not improved a bit. No. No. We've seen Mike White, and Mike White had a good game or two last year. Yes. Filling in, and he was great yesterday. Yes, he was. He should be their quarterback for the rest of this season, and if he is, I think they will make the playoffs. Yes. Another fourth, fifth, sixth-round pick, whatever he was a couple years ago. So play guys, you know, Taylor Heineke's not very good, I don't think, but Washington continues to win. Yep. Again, Carson Wentz, another guy who was the second pick in the draft. Yep. And had some decent years early on, but it's been pretty bad for a while. So, yeah, they, they win again. Got the Jets, you know, I can. The Eagles are that close to giving them a shot at that one seed. They're yep. just begging them. Yep. 
Whereas Packers couldn't get it done. We're big but, Titans fans this week, I can tell you that much. Big uh, Titans fans. So, we'll see what happens. I think you want to avoid Dallas playoffs. Yep. I don't want to see them again. Don't want to see San Francisco either. Give me any other team. Anybody else, I mean, bring on the Giants. Bring on, the Commanders. You know, Seattle, Washington. Yep. Yeah. And th- I mean, I think, you know, that last spot, I guess two of the three spots, Giants, Washington, Seattle. I think two of those three probably make it. Yep. One of those gets left out, so. Yeah, offense was decent. Defense, I hated it. Uh, but they were good enough. Yeah, you know, just regarding the defense. I mean, offensive line was pretty good. Yeah. Christian Derrissaw. Yep. Yeah, and that was the best part is that uh, Brandle didn't play that bad. Now, granted, they did give him quite a bit of help, but... Still, they only gave up one sack the entire game against that vaunted Patriots defense. Um, and Justin Jefferson had uh, highlight reel catches throughout the entire game. And he's just fantastic at what he does. Uh, now, I will say regarding the defense, I like you. I'm, I'm very... This is not a good defense. It, it's entirely... The, the success of the defense is entirely predicated on them getting a pass rush. And the Vikings had zero pass rush until it mattered the most. Uh, late in the game, they got a couple of sacks, including on the final drive that oh, it was nearly a safety. But it essentially, when that sack happened, I'm like, okay, I feel really good about this, uh, about them getting the win. And Patrick Peterson then keeping uh, whoever it was, Kendrick Bourne, Hunter Henry in bounds or whatever. That was great. I will say, just to give the defense a little bit of credit, or, or not not credit, I'm because they don't deserve credit, But and I'm not trying to uh, make an excuse for them, but they were without their top three secondary guys. Cam Dantzler. They've been bad with those guys, too. They have, but they've been... I feel, I feel more confident with those guys out, at least their starters and whatnot. Um, well, I mean, bad, they were bad. I mean... The worst game there was against Dallas. Yes. Yep. Buffalo was not good. Like it's this defense is not, but I feel like that's kind of gone under the radar. This defense has not been good. No. Well, Dalvin well, Tomlinson <laughs> is hopefully going to come back here soon. That would be a big boost to the Vikings. Not you know, like especially runs uh, stopping the run. Um, but New England didn't have success running the football, and maybe and they didn't to be. They didn't really try to run it all that often. Uh, they knew that the best way to beat the Vikings was through the air, and that's why Mac Jones had 382 yards passing. You remember freshman year of college? They played. They played New England on a Monday night. Sure do. I remember. I remember that everyone was hyped up because of the the win they had in Seattle the previous week. It was Halloween night, and the. What do you remember about that? The Patriots slaughtered them 31-7, and the only point scored was, I believe, a kickoff return for a touchdown by the Vikings to start the second half off. Either Was it a kick return or a punt return? I don't remember that. What I remember is that the Vikings had the Williams wall and one of the great rush defenses of all time. So Bill Belichick and Tom Brady came out and threw the ball. They didn't even try to run. Yeah. Well, like, oh, you're one of the best run defenses of all time. Let's pass it, like, every down. It, it's kind of like what the Patriots did last year against Buffalo in that windstorm in Buffalo. Yes. They th- tried to throw it three times. 
They said, we're going to run the football because, A, you, the Bills can't stop it, and, B, we're going to play to the elements. And the elements dict- said uh, dictated that they should run the football. Bill, Bill Belichick's not quite as good without Tom Brady, uh, which is to be expected. And he's the greatest coach ever. Yep. And, and things like this. Vikings got the running well. Okay, let's pass it in 2006. Yep. Uh, we can't throw the ball against Buffalo because 40 power wins. Uh, let's run it every time and win the game. Yep. So I, I, I like that. It was a good win, a uh, good bounce back win for the Vikings. Kirk Cousins, like I said, played really well. The offensive line played really well. Overall, hopefully the defense can get Tomlinson back. They can get a Caleb Evans back, get Cam Dantzler back here soon. I don't know if he's eligible to return this week or not. It might be next week. But I, like you, think that this game against the Jets is far more difficult now because of Mike White. Uh, He is going to get the start. They are not going to Zach Wilson he just makes the offense better. He throws it so much better. Uh, they have good wide receivers for the most part. Um, so that scares me a little bit. But if the Vikings can get a pass rush against that Jets offensive line, which isn't that great, I think the Vikings will be okay. They're, the Jets don't really have much of a ground game now because uh, Michael Carter sprained his ankle, or he's going to be out for a little bit, I believe. They don't have Brees Hall, so it's all down to like Ty Johnson, um, running back from. Is it? I don't know where he's from, but I like that's pretty much what it boils down to for the Jets. So they're going to try and throw the football. If the Vikings can get a pass rush, they should be okay. I'm very curious to see what Sauce Gardner is going to do against Justin Jefferson, because if Bill Belichick can't control Jefferson, I don't think Sauce Gardner is going to be able to. He's going to make a few plays. But he's not going to be able to stop Justin. He's, he's just not. Jets have a good defense. Yep. So with Sauce Gardner, I assume they will put him on Jefferson. I would believe. I would think so, yep. Because that's one of my pet peeves of, you've got a good cornerback, but we're not going to put him on your best guy. At all times, mm-hmm. they just cover one half of the field. Which is ridiculous. Yes. Which, that doesn't give you the best How does that give you the best shot to win? Exactly. If I've got a Scotty Pippen type defender, I'm going to put him on LeBron James. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put him on your best player. Yep. Or Dennis Rodman. Yep. I'm going to put him on Dwayne Wade, LeBron James. I'm not going to put him on Mike Miller. <laughs> yep. So that's ridiculous. So I'm interested in seeing you. That matchup. Justin Jefferson. Because Randy, Randy Moss is the best I've ever seen. And yes. the best you've ever seen, I would say. Yes. But he's making a case here early on of, of being better than him. Yes. And he, he's got a ways to go. Moss did it for a long time. But, you know, two and a half seasons in, Jefferson's been better than Pretty much anybody's ever been. Here's the thing between the two of them. It's kind of an apples to oranges comparison because Randy Moss just uses blazing speed to get down the field. Um, Justin Jefferson's route running is absolutely incredible. His breaks are sensational, and he can catch just about anything thrown his way. When he drops a pass like he did a few times against Washington earlier this season, it was 
astounding. It was kind of jaw-dropping, like, wait, what's... You didn't reel that in? What is what is the matter with you, Justin? Um, with Randy, he, he didn't really have to run that many routes. So, I think Justin Jefferson, while his speed's not like Randy Moss, he does so many other things better than Randy Moss that... I think in the end, assuming there's no injuries and, you know, he stays a Viking, which I think he will, I think he's going to be better than Randy Moss. And he's made a lot of contested catches. Yes. This season. And I like Kirk throwing the ball, even when he's covered, and he'll make that. I mean, he's really not made any... Many interceptions when he's thrown those balls. Mm-hmm. Where he will at some point, but not not yet. Anyway, he was the fifth receiver taken, and how how you can miss on him, I don't know. I don't know how people have a job watching football and they say Justin Jefferson, eh, not a top ten, not a top twenty pick. I don't know, human human error, I guess, but. Because the the five guys in front of him were Henry Ruggs, who's right now in jail, Jerry Judy, who isn't doing that much. I mean, wait, is he injured right now? Either way, Denver sucks. Uh, C.D. Lamb, who, good wide receiver, not as good as Justin Jefferson, and then Jalen Rager, who is now currently on the Vikings. Uh, Had a big catch on Thanksgiving night. Would be nice to see a little bit more of that from him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Justin Jefferson's blowing all of them out of the water. I mean, it's just amazing to me. I mean, we were both pretty excited when that happened. Oh, yes. And, I mean, if you would watch LSU and you would see him, like, oh, he looks really good. So it's, it's just, you know, who knows, but you felt pretty good about him being somebody. Yep. So the Vikings' magic number to win the division is 2 uh, they, they they can either win two or they can win this week and the Lions can lose or any anything the rest of the year. Uh, the magic number is two. So very feel very safe, very confident that the Vikings will wrap this up here hopefully within the next three weeks because the Vikings play the Lions next week. And I think that could be a difficult game. So why not just beat the Jets this week and get close? Now, they're, they're trying to catch Philadelphia, but Philadelphia looks so damn good. Uh, they looked good last night or Sunday night against Green Bay. Uh, they ran it for th- th- over 360 yards. Uh, um, uh, Jalen Hurts, the quarterback, had 157 yards rushing. He had 150 pa- over 150 passing, 150 rushing. It's one of the rare times that that ever happens. Uh, I think he he set a record for rushing yards in game, in Eagles history, surpassing that of like Michael Vick, Randall Cunningham. All that he had over 100 yards in the first quarter. He was just great. Um, so we're big Titans fans this week because the Titans played the Eagles. the The Eagles looked a little susceptible against Washington, which they lost, and then against Indianapolis, which they should have lost. But the Colts bungled that one. Uh, the Colts collapsed in that game, allowed the Eagles to get the win there. I don't think that the Vikings, unless something dramatically changes with their defense, I don't think they can catch the Eagles. Eagles remaining schedule, home against Tennessee, at the Giants, at Chicago, at Dallas, home against New Orleans, home against the Giants. 
That's just, to me, too easy. Uh, I, I don't see there being more than two losses in that, and I don't see the Vikings going through the rest of their slate without a loss. That's just me, though. Yeah, the Vikings... Like, what is the most difficult game left? They, I mean, they... If they get... I mean, the Jets... The Jets might be the most difficult game they have left. Yeah. Like, there is no reason to lose to Detroit. There is no reason to lose to the Colts. Like, it is not ridiculous for them to win to win the rest of their games. Right. And, you know, you look at those last two games outside in the cold. Well, Aaron Rodgers may not be playing by that point. He hurt his oblique or his ribs on Sunday night. He had to leave the game. He said he wants to play as long as the Packers are why? Mad, mad why? At I, I don't know. He's because he's a competitor. He's a football player, Crins. That isn't that what they no, say. No, um, Jordan Love. It's his time. Give him five, six games. It's time to figure out what you have in him. We could very well have seen the last of the Aaron Rodgers era in Green Bay Sunday night. I don't. I don't think so. I, I'm I think, not saying I it's going to happen. I'm just saying it's possible. It's. Possible. I think he'll be back. And I think he'll be fine. I think the Packers will be better next year. But yeah, it's time to figure out if, if Jordan Love's any good. Yep. So He's been there for, what, four years now. He's hardly played at all. And he looked good in the brief uh, yeah. stint that he had Sunday night against Philadelphia. He hit Christian Watson for a big touchdown catch. But otherwise, I mean, there just wasn't a whole lot there. And now for Chicago, Justin Fields is dealing with a shoulder injury. Who knows how long that will stay up. They just lost Darnell Mooney for the year. Their defense is terrible. And that's one of the reasons why, like, as good as Mike White was Sunday, again, it was against the Bears, and it and their defense is absolutely terrible. It was at home. So I think you can take down at least a touchdown of that, of, of his output, going on the road against what I would think would be a better defense if they get some of these guys back healthy. Uh, the, the Bears just have no de- no one on defense. Their, their defense is trash. So, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think the Jets game this week may be their most difficult game left. And then I would maybe put Detroit, because Detroit's playing really good football right now. If they went out, I think they'll be the one seed. But I think that's that's the only way they get it. They have to yeah. they have to win. Yeah. If if the Eagles had lost to the Colts last week, there would be so much so much more op- room for error or opportunity, and that it's just not happening. No, I think Dallas maybe gets them once, and if they don't lose to Tennessee, that may be it. So. Yep. Yep. Um. Maybe the Giants. Maybe the Giants. Well, no. May I say, uh, the Bills, it was like a 40-yard pass to set up a field goal. Yeah. Like it doesn't take much to set shit up. So, uh, it was the end of the Raiders-Seattle game. It was at the end of regulation. Yep. Raiders had two timeouts. They were like at the 25, and they just ran the ball twice. They had two timeouts and 40 seconds to go, and they didn't even try. So. How about the Raiders? Back-to-back. Overtime road wins. Uh, I don't. I think it's too little, too late for them. Oh yeah. But they they've played so they've played I think seven road games and to five home games now or, or something like that. Their their road to home 
uh, ratio is just bizarre. They have a lot of games at home coming up here. They have a game against the Ra- the the Rams, which that looks like a cupcake win now for them. Uh, they do have the Chiefs remaining. That's going to be tough, but they, they can beat the Chargers. No reason why they can't. Um, they have some other games uh, I think are are winnable for sure. So I don't think the Raiders are out of it at this stage. It's going to take a lot, though, for them to come back and win. And may I just say, um, the best, it's probably the most disturbing thing, but it, to me it was just the funniest thing from Sunday, Jackson DeVille, the Jaguars mascot, choosing to forego his uh, mascot costume apart from the head. Now, some people are speculating that he, uh, that because of the torrential rain that was in Jacksonville, like they had a severe storm at push kickoff back 25 minutes, that, you know, he just couldn't be in his costume then or whatever. But um, that was, I think, the reason why Lamar Jackson couldn't get in the end zone for the longest time. He was distracted by Jackson DeVille in a an American uh, a patriotic thong, let's just say. He's an interesting mascot. He is. Maybe the best one. Very odd. That was, uh, we, we were talking about Baltimore last week on how... Schedule where they barely beat the Panthers and then they lose the fucking Jacksonville. Yep. And Thanks. the Bengals and beat Baltimore. the Titans. So, now what? It's a big old mess. Because if you're looking at the, like, we looked at the Bengals schedule and it's very, very difficult. But if you're also if you're looking at like that game against Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay just lost to Cleveland with Jacoby Brissett. I mean that's that's a, that's a bad loss for Tampa Bay. They lost Tristan Wirfs, their best offensive lineman. He's going to be out at I would say at least three weeks with a high ankle sprain. Look, the injury looked worse than what it was because when you're carting off an offensive lineman, it's like oh boy, this could be the end of his season. Tampa Bay does have New Orleans this week. I mean, Carolina is still in the mix for the NFC South. That's how bad the NFC South is this year. Um, Tampa Bay probably wins the division with an 8-9 record. Yeah. Yeah. And they get a home playoff game. That's bad. That's really I bad. Don't, there, I didn't watch, I don't watch the, the shows. Was there much talk on the shows today about analytics and going for it, fourth downs, two-point conversions, what should we do? I don't know. Um, I would imagine not because it worked for Jacksonville going for two. Yep. And for the Chargers going for two. If they miss, people are going to scream, oh, what are you doing? But it worked, so you don't hear anything about it. Well, I think you you look at who did it, though. I mean, Brandon uh, Staley, the Chargers head coach, He's been known to go for it a ton on fourth downs and he and go for two. Like, that's just who he is. He makes a lot of decisions. I guess Doug Peterson has gone for two more than any other active head coach or something like that. Like, he, he does it a lot. So, it's not like... I think it's because of the who was, who was doing it, who was calling the shots there that it's maybe not quite as big of a story. And I agree with what the Jaguars did there. 
because uh, why why even risk it uh, going to overtime and trying to stop Lamar Jackson? It's just going to be difficult. And they still almost lost because Justin Tucker almost made a 67-yard field goal. Uh, I say almost. All he had to do was get the 50-yard line. He got a shot to win. Yep. And granted, his field goal was about three yards short, but still, it was dead center. Like, people were probably surprised, oh, he missed it. I was. He missed one of the longest field goals ever, and were surprised. Yeah. It would have been the longest ever. But that's just who he is. So, it's pretty incredible stuff there. I do like the what the Jaguars did. I With the Chargers... I mean, it worked, but they've done so many of these types of uh, situations where they go for it on fourth down and, and they go for two and it doesn't work out that it's like, oh, if, if they hadn't gotten it, they're like, okay, well, Brandon Staley did it again. He was aggressive and it came back to bite him. Uh, we, we've seen it multiple times throughout his brief tenure as head coach of the Chargers. Uh, one game I want to bring up and one situation I want to bring up. Okay. Uh, Falcons and Washington. End of the game? Forgettable game. Are you t- want to talk about the end of the game, though? Sure. Or I don't, what, what situation in that game? Cause I, end of the game, Falcons are down 13, 16, 19, 13. They're down six. Yep. They have a second and goal at the four. Yep. Washington doesn't have any timeouts left. Yep. Marcus Mariota throws an interception. Yep. Why would you throw it on second and goal from the four? Best case scenario, Falcons score, go ahead by one. That leaves Washington a full minute to get a game-winning field goal. Agreed. Agreed. Why would you not run it on second down, run it all the way down to around 30 seconds? For 20 seconds, time is not an issue. You have three shots from the four. Yep. Want to pass it, pass it on third and fourth down. Yep. And this is a team that's pretty good at running the ball. They run it more than any they team. They averaged six yards a carry yesterday. Yep. Stupid. It. I, I agree. Because this team, and I don't know if they were trying to catch Washington. It's like the element of surprise. But... Uh, Algier was running it down their throats on that final drive. Cordero Patterson runs it successfully. They run it at, like, do an RPO or an RPR. Like, run it with Marcus Mariota. They have got, like, this is who the Falcons are. They throw it the least of any team in the league, maybe only behind the Bears. I agree. I don't know why you throw it there. Run the football. That's your bread and butter. And from the four, I would think you could get it. If you don't, if you lose a couple yards, or if you only get it to the three on third down, then maybe, then then maybe we try something else. But yeah, why give Washington that much time? I agree. I I completely agree with that. And Taylor Heineke just isn't very good, but they continue to win. Yep. It was 14 of 23 for 138 yards. Now, granted, it was raining uh, all game long, so that might have something to do with it. But overall... Even last week, they played Houston. He was 15 of 27. Yeah, he was not good. 191, no touchdowns, no interceptions. His longest pass was 19 yards. Yep. I mean, this is all about the defense. Washington, we played them a couple weeks ago. The defense is pretty good. Yep. So... Good for him, but 
he is again. He's not the reason they're winning. He's got seven touchdowns and five interceptions. But he's not the reason why they're losing. And at the when they were one and four before Carson Wentz got hurt, that was the reason why they were losing. Carson wasn't winning them games. He was losing them. Taylor Heineke may not be winning them, but he's not losing the games for them. It's improved by not making mistakes. Yep. And sometimes that's all it uh, all it takes. Uh, and next week, next week looks like we've had a lot of bad weeks. Yep. Next week looks like a very good week on paper. I don't know how it's going to shape out, but on paper, there's a lot of important games. I was surprised the Jets-Vikings game didn't get flexed. But, what, do we, you got, do we have Bengals-Chiefs next week? Is that? No. Yes. Yeah, we have yep. Bengals-Chiefs. That's a big one. Yep. Titans-Eagles. That's a huge uh, a game of significance. Even Thursday night is good with Bills Patriots. Yep, yep. Uh, Washington and the Giants is an important game. Yes, it is. I wouldn't want to watch it, but it's important. <laughs> and uh, you have Miami at San Francisco. Huge, huge game. The potential Super Bowl preview. Yes, maybe. And then you have just dog shit city. Colts Cowboys Sunday night Saints Bucks Monday. Night. Well, and I again, I'm a little surprised they didn't flex uh, either 49ers Dolphins to um, to to Sunday night or um, something. Yeah, I, I think that that was the game that I was thinking most that they would do. Next week becomes interesting. Now, the NFL, by the time everyone's listening to this podcast, you'll know if it's changed or not because the NFL has to decide by Tuesday. But you have Broncos hosting the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. And we know Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are great. But we can't have Denver on primetime. They're already going to be in a standalone game on Christmas Day against the Rams. And that that just looks awful right now. You have to. You have to move that that game out. You just, you just do. So here's my proposition for Week 14, what I would do. I say... Move Dolphins Chargers currently at 3.05 on CBS. You move that to Sunday night. You take and then you move Broncos Chiefs and you put that in that 3.05 window. You then move Eagles Giants to Sunday night. You could, if you wanted to, put Jets Bills on Sunday night. But I wouldn't do that because the Bills play the Dolphins in Week 15. Now, that game currently is a TBD. It could be either Saturday. It could be Sunday. I would move that Dolphins-Bills game to Sunday night because Sunday night, Week 15, Patriots at Raiders. No thank you. Get it out of here. Put Dolphins-Bills in that slot. So I wouldn't put, even though they've done it with the Chiefs already this year, I would not have Bills on back-to-back Sunday nights. It's a possibility, but that's not what I would do. But what are you doing with Dolphins Chargers? That's my I, Sunday night. Yeah, I, I would move that. that to Sunday night, yes. Yeah, yeah that's, yeah. Just, just switch those two games. That's an easy call. And then move and then move Eagles-Giants to 325. Add that as a late afternoon kickoff because right now we have Bucks 49ers and Panthers-Seahawks. No thank you. No. Yeah, I mean, just, just make that late window better. Yeah. You know, you got, like, you know, Bucks, Rams. 
at the end of the year, that looked big and important, but it's not. Yep. So, I don't know. Just do better. Like, I think they've got what, ne- the option next year of doing Monday night games as well. Yes, they do. I was just going to bring that up. I think they like it's a limited selection, like, it, like a limited time win- or like window, maybe like five or six weeks in November and December. Yeah, we can do a lot better. And you look at the at the last game of the year. Maybe we get you know Bucks Falcons to decide the division. Uh, maybe Ravens Bengals. Yep. To decide the division. Other than that, that's about it. Yep. There's not much else out there for two competitive teams, so that's what I would go with. I agree. I agree. So that's uh, the NFL. There, anything else we need to get to? It's about it for the football. All right. Let's go to the college, though. Uh, college, because we had rivalry week, a lot of big games, and there was significant shakeup, significant change. We had three top ten teams losing. The game of the day was supposed to be Michigan and Ohio State, and so one team threw it, uh, had multiple, like, what, three at least three touchdowns of 60-plus yards, two of them on the ground. They were just chucking it through the air. You would think I was talking about Ohio State, but I'm not. Michigan was the team that did it. Cade McNamara, the Michigan quarterback, at one point... No, 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 no. What? What Not the quarterback. What? J.J. McCarthy. What? Did I I say Cade McCarthy? Oh, my. Hey, Cade McNamara. He used to be the guy. Yeah. Well, I, where am I living in, 2021? Yeah. J.J., uh, J.J., and he's going to transfer because he's he knows he's done. Yeah. So, uh, Jonathan James McCarthy, he, he did him in. My, my apologies, J.J. McCarthy. Um, I don't know oh, why yeah. I was saying McNamara. Um, yeah. I mean, he was there. I mean, there's really no difference between them. You just look at them, they look the same. Yep. So. But he delivered... Uh, it, I mean, it was just an absolutely incredible, incredible game. JJ McCarthy, uh, he had twelve. What did he have? Twelve completions all game long, and four yeah. of them were touchdowns, or three of them were touchdowns. He had a rushing touchdown in there as well. He played so good for the most part. But you got Donovan. Was it Donovan Edwards? Yes, uh, filling in for the injured starting running back. He had. Two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, a 75-yarder and an 85-yarder. Boom, just completely any chance that Ohio State had of winning the game over by that point. Um, but you look at a 75-yard pass, a 69-yard pass, a 45-yard pass. All those were touchdowns. It's just incredible what Michigan did. Ohio State's defense was terrible last year. It's been better this year, but man, were they exploited. And now their hopes and dreams of a of a college football playoff berth may be out the window. It was stunning how how Michigan won the game was stunning. Because mm-hmm. that's Long not their passes, how Ohio State couldn't figure this out. I don't know. Yep. Uh, Blake Corm's the running back. He's their best player. Yep. Hopefully, he's ready for the playoffs. Because that'd be nice to have him at full strength. The passes were unacceptable. These were wide open receivers. Yes. These were not difficult throws. Yes. They were wide open. They couldn't be anything other than touchdowns. And I'm waiting. 
waiting, waiting for Ohio State. I mean, this was a close game into the fourth quarter, but then Michigan, again, another long run, and they just put it away. And so they've won two years in a row, so good for Michigan. And we talk about every year, I've got to remember this every year, and when it comes to the NCAA tournament, don't do this, don't do that. We like to talk about the scenarios of what could be in the playoff, but I'm just resigned to the fact that the final Sunday of the season, it's going to be boring as shit, that seven-hour playoff selection special. We know who the teams are. There is no debate. Uh, If USC wins, there is no debate. Correct. Um, I mean, Alabama's going to get their nose stuck in there, and ESPN's going to be banging the drum. Oh, Alabama, they've got a shot. No, they don't. All of the top three teams can lose, and they should be in. There is no reason why TCU uh, should not be in the playoff. You are absolutely right. I don't get shit if they lose 63 to nothing to Kansas State. They should be in the playoff. And if USC loses, then Ohio State's in the playoff. And that's all there is to it. There is no... What about Alabama? No. Tennessee lost. Clemson lost. All these fucking teams that could have done something. Yep. They all fucking lost. The shitty South Carolinas. It, it's it's terrible. Yep. Oregon loses to Oregon State. Yep. Um, you all had your shot. And they, they, and they had a 31-10 to 10 lead with eight minutes to go, and they lose 38-34. I, I quit watching. I turn it back. I said, what the fuck happened? What, what, what happened here? Yeah. I was watching the battle for the axe. I was watching Minnesota Wisconsin because I had you know game was over. Yeah, I had in, well, I had interest you know like regional interest in that game. Uh, if I wanted to just watch football like a good football game, I would have watched Oregon Oregon State. But I had interest rooting interest in Minnesota Wisconsin, so I was stunned when I flipped over after the game was done and see Oregon having to go for it like in goal like you couldn't run it at all. It's I don't get it. And um, the biggest frauds, the biggest frauds of them all stacking. Oregon? LSU Tigers. Oh, yes. Are Who? you kidding me? Yeah. You lose to an FCS team, Texas A&M Community College Corpus Christi. <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got two words for Brian Kelly and LSU. Fuck you. <laughs> Awful. Awful. What, what, and, and what garbage. Because yep. they beat Alabama and... You know, they had a shot at the playoff here. Yep. The funny thing is, you know, they were a two-loss team. Yep. And, and they were fifth last week. They were ahead of USC. They were ahead of Clemson. Yep. Where would LSU have been ranked last week if they would have beat Florida State in week one? Probably five. They, that game doesn't mean a fucking thing. Right. And, and, and Florida State had a pretty good season. Were they 8-3? 9-3. Nine nine three. Three. They had nine a good year. Yep. That game didn't mean anything because they were still fifth after losing that game in freaking early September. Yep. So, yeah, if they win that game, they're still fifth. Yep. So that tells you how much that game meant. And they would have made the playoff if they could have beat Georgia this week. But that, that doesn't matter now. Yeah, we so. were hoping we would get chaos. And I would say three weeks ago, we thought we would have that. Um, South Carolina ruined it for two yes. teams. Well, I would. I mean, Clemson. I don't think ever had a real that realistic of a shot, but certainly. Oh yeah. Now it's now they're done. Like if Clemson would have, you know, won the won the conference with one loss. If they would have won this week, they would have been what number six this week? Seven, maybe seven. 
They would have they would have jumped Alabama to six. But then UNC, UNC has uh, pooped their pants the last couple of weeks, and so that a win over UNC doesn't mean doesn't look as good now. Oh. And Tennessee, if I could change one result, it'd probably be Tennessee beating South Carolina. Yes. And if that would have happened, then we then we would have actually had a debate because it seemed yes. pretty simple for Tennessee to be in the playoff. Yes. Well, you know, you yeah. That, then we would have, then we would have had a a, a debate. Uh, do you put in USC or do you put in Tennessee? Yep. yep. That would have been the debate, but that didn't happen. Um, and I think uh, Orange Bowl. Uh, whenever you're ready for bowl projections. Yeah. Do you want to uh, here? I can. You put that down here now. Uh, pretty, I mean, it's, it's pretty set because the season's done. I would say the only the only realistic. Um, Georgia's your one seed. Michigan's yeah. a two. Well, I, yeah, yep. TCU's three. USC is going to be four. I would say I, the only drama that we could have on Sunday is if TCU loses to Kansas State. Now, I think TCU should be in regardless. I know you agree with that because they've the Big Twelve has been pretty difficult this year. A lot of good teams, and they beat them all. But you, I, I can just see Ohio State jumping them if TCU loses to Kansas State. The committee's looking for a reason, and that's why I loved that TCU just pounded the shit out of Iowa State. They made a statement like, "Hey, CFP committee, look at what we're doing. To hell with you guys." I think the only time I've had a problem with the playoff was the first one in 2014. Yeah. Uh, TCU, Ohio State got in against uh, Baylor and TCU. Yep, because TCU didn't have a, a championship game. The, the Big 12 didn't at that time. Yeah, and TCU's one loss was like, what, 62-59 to 59 versus Baylor? Mm-hmm. And Ohio State was four, and I think Ohio State won it all that year. Yep. But uh, Ohio State's one loss was to your shitty-ass Virginia Tech team yep. who went 7-6 and six that year. Ouch. 7-6, so and six, you lose to that team. Uh, you lose to the number five team in the country by three, when which 120 points are scored. That's the only problem I've ever had with the college football playoff. I just look. I, I I saw this somewhere. I so I'm not going to take credit for it. But someone said, "Well, TCU didn't get in the playoff. What was it, 2012 or whatever? Because they didn't have a conference championship game. Ohio State did, and that's how they got in. And now, if if Ohio State makes it and TCU doesn't this year, it's ironic because TCU uh, is going to lose in a in a conference championship game. Where if they didn't play in one, they would be just fine. Like it would." It would be a cinch that they're in. So, uh, it's... Uh, you, you don't want it to become, well, just because they're Alabama and Ohio State, they get in over TCU. You, mm-hmm. you, you hope that's not what they're thinking, but it just feels like they are. Yeah. And I, I really hope... Well, we've seen I this story hope, before. I we've seen the bias. For curiosity's sake, I want to see TCU lose just to see what they would do. I, I would hope they keep TCU in, but you like like I said, we've seen the bias that the committee has towards either the SEC or teams of substantial recognition. And the Ohio State has way more name recognition 
than TCU does. And it shouldn't be that way. If this is Oklahoma or Texas, they're in just because they are Oklahoma and Texas. Yes. So, yep. It's, uh, it's a bit ridiculous. But so, it comes down to that. So let's go with your bowl projections here. What do you got? Oh, the uh, yes, first one's going to be the Peach Bowl, be Georgia and USC. Okay. And then the Fiesta Bowl is the other one, Michigan and TCU. And that should be a good game. Michigan and TCU, you know, yep. Michigan gets in the playoff and they're not really competitive. Yep. Against Georgia and TCU, they've never been there, so that feels like that is a a good game. I look forward to that game, if that happens. Yes. And I look forward to USC's offense versus Georgia's defense. USC's defense is bad, but Georgia's offense isn't great. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, Rose Bowl, Washington versus Ohio State. Washington's had a great year. They've got a great offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cotton Bowl, Penn State versus Tulane. Yep. Penn State is eight for some reason. I don't think they're eight. They're eighth best team in the country. Uh, Sugar Bowl, Kansas State versus Alabama. And then uh, the Orange Bowl, maybe my favorite game because it's Clemson versus Tennessee. This is the game to where, can I get enough orange? Yeah. Uh, I think Auburn's going to be at the, the halftime show. Clemson and Tennessee in the Orange Bowl. I can't get enough orange. So that's exciting. So those are the big ones. You've got LSU and Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. You know who sponsors the Citrus Bowl now? Um, it's... Uh, it... Makes no sense. Not cheese. Is it cheese? It. Cheese. It's the cheese. It citrus bowl. Yeah, should be Tropicana. I think the uh, the Outback Bowl is out. I think it's the Relia Quest Bowl, and yeah. I have no idea what Relia Quest is. It's so dumb, but, but poor decision there uh, to go against that. So yeah. So some of your your uh, big bowl games, Alamo Bowl could be Texas, Utah. So you I still have the Cheese It Bowl. Now you also have the Cheese It. Citrus Bowl. I would like Minnesota to play in the Music City Bowl. Uh, I've seen the Duke's Mayo Bowl against Florida State. I think that's what Brett McMurphy's projected. I don't want that. No, no, Jerry Palm of CBS is that. Projected. Oh, yeah, uh, against Kentucky at the Music City Bowl. Yes, Brett good. McMurphy has that projection right now. Uh, that's what I want, uh, A, because it's Nashville, B, because I'd like to see Minnesota beat Kentucky. I don't think they beat Florida State. But... We're, we're going to do our, our bowl pick again this year, so uh, we'll get the group information out to you guys uh, as soon as, as that comes to fruition here. But that's always our big thing every year. want to see how we do against Boots and, and Marcus and David and Charlie and all that jazz. I always have rules, and I'm going to try and stick to it this year. Jackson State at 44 points or whatever the top Listen, one is. But if Jackson you, State, my number one pick. But... But, 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 if T, if, uh, this is my rule, if you have a head coach that leaves to take another job somewhere else, I don't want to put you very high on the chain. So if Deion Sanders leaves for Colorado, which is rumored to be what, what's going on, he is, he has at least been offered the position. He hasn't accepted it yet. But if he leaves, I'm not even going to, Jackson State, no, I don't know where their, um, where their level of enthusiasm for playing in the game is going to be. Same with Cincinnati this year now. Luke Fickle is going to be the head coach at Wisconsin. Where's Cincinnati's motivation? 
I don't know. Uh, also, some things to know. I don't like picking SEC teams to win games, or if I do, it's going to be low confidence points before December 28th. They just don't yeah. care. Um, so those are the three. And then also, you have to factor in like quarterbacks or wide receivers, the top draft pick guys, if they're going to play or not. Um, so that and that's a little more yeah. difficult because we don't know if they're going to play or not before the bowl game starts. So you you might pick one with a confidence level of, say, 30, but, um, you know, that's based on the team as currently is slated. And then if you have a couple guys pull out for the draft, then that can knock that down significantly. So. It never used to be that way, but here we are. Yep. Um, other other items of note, uh, like again, South Carolina is the team right now. Uh, they take down Clemson thirty-one to thirty. If you were looking for who the better quarterback was, it was Spencer Rattler from South Carolina because DJ Uyagalale was ugly in this game. Very bad performance by him. Clemson blows a big lead there. Oregon, as we said, you know, losing to Oregon State, it just doesn't make sense. So those are three top 10 teams that lost on rivalry weekend. It's one of the reasons why this is such a great weekend of college football, because you get all these rivalries and you can see some of these crazy results. And that's certainly what we got in the top 10 this week. Clemson quarterback is awful. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. We had four top five losses. I forgot LSU. And they, and they and they wrote them all year long. Just awful. Yep. Uh, not good. Uh, apparently, we have potentially three, five, and seven teams that are going to get into bowl eligibility. I didn't think that was the case. Uh, I would hope New Mexico State gets in. They should. Army might get to six wins with a win against. Navy in the Army Navy game, which is our favorite game of the year, uh, next week, um, right? I mean, that's a game. I hate that. Like a vegetarian hates meat. I just hate. I it. know. I know you do. I... Oh, their uniform is going to be great. Now it's going to suck. Yeah. Uh, so that's that here. Uh, I think I there's two. If Buffalo wins, Buffalo's to be six and six. Yes. Yep. And that's right now. We're at three. If Buffalo and if Buffalo wins, that we're down to two. Then I guess Rice would be the number the first team in. Good, good. They have the highest APR, and then UNLV would be second. How? I don't. But they they just fired their coach. Well, that's that sounds like it's a bad idea. And then I guess number three in the list would be Auburn. Fuck them! No. Of Auburn with their head coach. How is uh, Vanderbilt not in the mix? Because they're dummies. They can't. They're the Harvard of the South. Apparently. They're the USD <laughs> of Tennessee. Apparently. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, okay, yeah. Hugh, Hugh Freeze, next head coach of Old Mi- or, uh, Auburn. Uh, Auburn. Yep. Uh, Dirtbag uh, Creep. Yep. And uh, Matt Rule, head coach of Nebraska. We'll see how that goes. Yep. You're going to ask Charlie what his thoughts on that are. I, I, for me, it. It sucks looking at the Big Ten West now and seeing Luke Fickle go to Wisconsin and Matt Rule go to Nebraska. It's like, oh, shit. Minnesota is once again in that uh, bad situation where they're just going to be good enough to maybe get to some bowl games but not 
good enough to compete for the uh, Big Ten for Big Ten for division titles and championships and whatnot. Um, I know what DJ Fleck was talking about getting fired and all that. Um, like they've got a chance to win nine games again this year if they win their bowl game. Yeah. Listen, I don't want him fired. I like PJ Fleck. No. I like the recruits he brings in. They're a good team. They're a consistent team that contin- Like I don't want this to be a Glenn Mason two point um, oh, which is what it, it kind of is right yeah. now. But he's slightly better than Glenn Mason, I would say. But I don't want the fan reaction to be like, "Oh, we got to get him out of here because we expect more." No, this is who you are. Just be happy that you're winning eight to nine games a year. Hundred percent. It's just ridiculous. This Ethan Calliot Manis, though, this freshman quarterback, he looks like the real deal, and that's why I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. He had a career against Wisconsin. We hadn't seen him throw a whole lot uh, in the few games he's played since Tanner Morgan, but he lit it up against the Badgers. Um, so that's good. And if I'm Luke Fickle. I get Wisconsin is in the Big Ten, and Big Ten's got money and all that stuff, but wasn't his name mentioned for Notre Dame last year? Yeah. Like, that's a significant step down, Wisconsin to Notre Dame. I I just don't see Wisconsin being, like, you want, if you want to con- continuously, like, shoot for a Rose Bowl, go to Wisconsin. But if you want to be in the mix for a college football playoff conversation, go to Notre Dame. So Luke Fickle, I think a year late with him. Yeah, I think he can be good at Wisconsin. Like they should win that division most years. Like if you look at a 10 year chunk, Wisconsin should win that side of the deal at least five times. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like Cincinnati, they're going to the Big 12. That's good for them. But, yeah, you, you go up a little bit. You would have a much better chance at competing in the Big 12 for titles, though, at maybe a college football playoff spot than you would at Wisconsin. Again, maybe. I, I'm okay with the what, move. What does Dan Levitard say? Like, Wisconsin is just there to get in the way of things. <laughs> I think that's what he – it's either Wisconsin or Iowa, and it's more so college basketball, but I think it's he, – he just equates the whole school to just getting in the way of things. That, that's what Wisconsin does. They're just not good enough. I – yeah, I, I – I think they're good enough to win the Big Ten every once in a while. We'll see. Go to the, go to the Rose Bowl, play BB second, and go to the Rose Bowl every couple of years. I think it's. it's a, I'm fine with that. Oof. Yeah, I, th- I, th- yeah, I don't know. Uh, so yeah, that's that. Uh, SDSU plays Delaware in the FCS playoffs this week. Semo, uh, Southeast Missouri State, shit their pants against Montana. They had a 24-3 lead. They didn't score the rest of the game. Montana won 34-24. They'll take on North Dakota State. Uh, any FCS matchups of note? This week, SDSU should win against Delaware. This is a, a not a great Delaware team. Yeah, they'll win easily. 
Weber State beat North Dakota 38-31. Mm-hmm. North Dakota almost had a big comeback. I don't know how they decide what team gets a home game and who doesn't. I thought it was based on money. Well, kind of like a like an NIT sort of bid. Like a bid. Um, Grand Folks paper, I guess, or somebody found out what North Dakota bid on the game and what Weber State bid on the game. Weber State hosted the game. They bid forty one thousand. You want to get what North Dakota bid on the game? Fifty two thousand. 127. Holy shit. That is three times as much, and NCAA said, no, we're going to give it to Weber State. I guess Weber State, you know, they're the better team. Yeah. And UND significantly outbid them. Uh, but, boy, they put, that's an $85,000 difference, which doesn't mean anything, but it's a, it's quite a difference. In bids, so yeah. it certainly didn't come down to money uh, in that game. Well, if I'm looking at the Big Sky, Weber State was the third best team in the Big Sky, which arguably was maybe better than the Missouri Valley top to bottom this year. And well, North Dakota State was, or North Dakota was third too, because there's only three teams in. Yeah, that's it's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, very odd. So that's that. Uh, well, good luck to the Jacks this weekend. Um, well, should we go to the hot stove now? Burn up. It is Can burning. It is burning. We got uh, a, a, a guy going to the White Sox here. Clevenger? Mike Clevenger? Is that correct? It's a pitcher, Mike Clevenger. He was with Cleveland. They traded him to San Diego. He was there a couple years. He had Tommy John surgery. He wasn't that great. Now he goes back to he goes back to Chicago. Also, we got also. Uh, a Jose Abreu is going to the Astros. That's a bigger move. Yes, very very big. That is a you know if we're talking because Abreu was with the White Sox. If we're talking you know oh we gained Mike Clevenger but lost Jose Abreu, I'm thinking that's not a net positive for the White Sox. No, White Sox, they're not relevant for me. He is 36 years old, so he's older. He will be 36 in January. But he's been good every year he's been in Major League Baseball. And they had Yuli Gurriel as their first baseman last year. He wasn't very good, and he was almost 40 years old. So Houston should be better offensively at first base. And may I just say right now, my World Series pick next year is the Houston Astros again. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Make that clear. Yes. Um, do you think... And, 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 they don't, and they don't even need to re-sign Justin Berlander. No. They probably will, but he didn't do a goddamn thing in the playoffs. Right. And they will be just fine without him. Does this move to, to land Abreu, does that, does that no. help or hurt the chances of them uh, signing Carlos Correa? Oh, I don't think they will sign him. I think he'll go to the Dodgers. You think Correa will go to the Dodgers? Okay. Trey Turner, current Dodgers shortstop Trey Turner will go to Philadelphia. And Correa goes to the Dodgers. How much credence, how much um, 
how plausible is it that, that Aaron Judge is going to go to the Giants? Because that's what the hot stove is hearing right now. I think, well, I thought he was going to move on. I think he'll stay with the Yankees. I've changed my mind, I think, on that. Okay. And I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't. But I think he'll go to the Yankees. Paul Ladd has stepped down as uh, daily operations from the Twins, so that's good. Now, does that mean they will shell out a little more money for, say, a starting pitcher? Uh, what? No. No? Not Carlos Rendon? I think no, the money thing's been fine. They've spent plenty of money. They've, they've shown they've been able to open up the checkbook. So what is what is his nephew taking over or what else taking over for him? Yep, yep I think it's the nephew. Whatever. Some other guy named Jay John. Um, yeah, Carlos Rondon would be at the top of my list. Uh, Jose Abreu was also somebody I would have liked the Twins to sign. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Twins, they've talked to Carlos Correa. I guess they have. I don't think money's going to be an issue there. I mean, they are willing to pay quite a bit. I don't know if they're willing to go eight or ten years. I think they're willing to go maybe six or two hundred or something like that. But I think they're willing to give him thirty million a year. So we will see. I, I don't think he's coming back, but I think the Twins are at least in the mix, which is very odd. I'm okay with that. I'm That's okay. good. Yeah. Uh, let's see here, uh, going through stuff. I think that does it for the hot stove this week, right? Uh, we'll keep the DR wood chipper yeah. going. What? Yeah, pretty much. Not, not a whole lot going on. We'll keep it, we'll keep it, we'll keep the, the burning, keep it burning. The temperatures are going down, so we need that hot stove hot. And that is what we'll do. Um, you don't give a shit about the World Cup, so we'll hold that ah! talk for Marcus Traxler. Um. Okay, you're, you're, you're going to talk to Marcus? I am going. To, I I'm going to attempt to talk to Marcus. We'll see if and he can you know, and if you talk to him this week or whenever the hell you talk to him next, yep. six months from now, whatever. Ask him what I asked last week, or maybe I'll see him. Who knows? Like, what do people who likes what 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 do they like about it? I don't know. Soccer or the World Cup? Uh, soccer. Okay. Like the World Cup, I can understand, you know, the best teams, the best players. That's why I get into it. It's just, yeah, I like seeing, you know me, I always like to cheer for these underdog countries, and I specifically kind of look towards the African countries here because they don't get their their glory on the world stage like they do in the Euros and stuff with Germany and Spain and all that. We know about USA, yada, yada, yada. I like it when you, you have some of these underdogs. So I'm rooting like, I'm rooting hard for Senegal to get through. I assume we'll be rooting for Iran against the United States. No. I have I have limits on what I can root for. Iran and Saudi Arabia are not high on the list. Okay. I can root for them. Okay. Fair enough. Now, having said that, if the U.S. draws with Iran and, and Wales wins, I'm not going to be heartbroken. No. But Go soccer. Yes. Uh, college basketball, this was feast week, a lot of tournaments, a lot of interesting stuff. UNC looks terrible. They they were shaky in several of their games leading up to this tournament, and then to lose the games that they did 
Uh, quadruple overtime against Alabama, I guess, is not a bad loss. But given everything that UNC has back, that's that that sucks. That hurts. And then the best game of the, the college basketball season so far, at least that I've seen, Creighton uh, against... Who, who who they play now? Arkansas. Yeah, Arkansas. Thank you. Uh, I was thinking Arizona. That that game ended up being close, but um, that was great. Arkansas looks really good. Creighton, my Creighton squad. I'm still picking for the Final Four. Baylor Shireman's fit in really well. They have tons of pieces there. I really, really love this Creighton squad. Despite the loss, I feel better about them being able to make a deep run. But again, UNC. Ugh. Like they have, like I said last week, they've not been good all year. Yep, exactly. And they've struggled against teams they should be winning by twenty points. And they finally play Iowa State. And they're like, all right, here's the first Power Five team, and that's a game they should have won. They were up five with what three minutes to go. Mm-hmm. Caleb Grill has the game of his life, and they lose. And they play Alabama, and they lose again. And they what they drop from one to eighteen. Which is kind of that's that's about where they should be. Like we didn't expect Iowa State to be that good this year. So how are how are they doing this? They're still undefeated. No, they lost yeah, to the UConn. Yes. No, I'm sure yep. they'll make the tournaments. Yep. Because Atzelberger does the X's and O's as good as anybody ever. Yes, I believe that he sucks. Um, I was just thinking about all the people that SDSU could have had at least last year. They had Baylor Shireman. They had Doug Wilson. Yep. They should have had David Jenkins Jr. Mm-hmm. And they should have had Caleb Grill. Yo, oh my gosh. That on would... that. They all should have been on that team. With yep. Also, they should have had Noah Friedel. Yes. That should have been your starting five. Mm-hmm. Good luck beating I them. I don't want to say that. That's a, that's a sweet 16 team. That's a, good, that's a very good team. I'll say it. That's a sweet 16 team. I mean, they were really good last year, and they almost beat Providence. Well, uh, your Mr. Cooley, they almost beat him without half of those guys. Mm-hmm. You know what David Jenkins Jr. is at? I just learned this two days ago. Do you know where he ended up? Um. Okay, he went to UNLV, then Utah. Where did he end up? Uh, I didn't hear where he ended up, and he ended up... Utah uh, State? He ended up in a very good spot. He's averaging like seven points a game. He ended with Purdue. Oh, okay. So. Good for him. Yeah, uh, I thought the Maui Invitational was excellent. Yep. I want to change my Final Four picks. Okay. On a somewhat regular basis. Are you buying into Arizona this year? Because last year you did not. No, uh, they're in the mix. Uh, North Carolina, Houston, UCLA, Arkansas. Okay. That was my final four. Okay. I would like to keep Houston. I would like to keep Arkansas. Okay. I do not want to keep North Carolina. I want to put Creighton in there. Yep, you can. And nothing against UCLA. I think they're plenty good. I think I want to put Baylor in there. I don't want to. Baylor, uh, speaking of just getting in the way like Wisconsin, I feel like Baylor just gets in the way. I don't like them, but they're just really good. 
I'm going to put Baylor in there with Arizona, that first team out. Arizona showed me something against Creighton. And, you know, that's the third game in three days, but I saw, you know, Creighton and Arizona was a good game. Creighton-Arkansas was a great game. Yep. I watched too much basketball this weekend. Hey, that's good. That's good. I need to start watching more. Uh, they, a, lot of, a lot of games in Portland. There were 25,000 games played in Portland mm-hmm. this week. So, um, Connecticut, they're, they're on the come. Yep. Uh, Purdue beat the hell out of Duke, which is good. Uh, Michigan State struggled. They were without some guys. But do, we, do we trust Purdue, though? Like, they're another time. They got that big guy, like 7'4", who's tearing it up. Okay. Um, He's been there the last couple of years, but he is much better this year. Eddie Edie, yes. white guy. Yep, Zach Edie. Uh, I but mean, you, I want to... Teams like Purdue, teams like Arizona. And the problem I'm going to have is I'm going to watch a lot of these games and I'm going to talk myself into these teams that I always say, no, you don't pick these teams because yeah, I'm going to see them. I'm kind of thinking say, the oh, same. They look really good. I'm kind of thinking that way with Tennessee. Like, I got, I got to just avoid them. Uh, Virginia is a team I'm very interested in. In um, do I take them or do I, do we go with a Purdue? Uh, I, I I'm sticking with Creighton. I will gladly accept or I'll I'll you know I'll allow you to have Creighton in the Final Four if you allow me to get Arkansas in there. I might I might take them over Kentucky. Um, yeah, I don't like Kentucky at all. So I'll take I'll take them. Or I'll still keep UNC in for now. I think they will figure it out. But yeah, Purdue. That's. I would go Purdue, Arizona with Virginia on the outside of as my teams that I'm really intrigued by. Uh, Gonzaga's lost a couple here. Yep. Um, you know, San Diego State, they played Arizona. They may be a team. Uh, they're 4-2 and two with their ranks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arizona or San Diego State, they may be kind of that, not a mid-major, but that second group of teams that may be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um. Ohio State, they, they played Duke this week. And I haven't seen Indiana, but I don't think Carolina can beat anybody at this, at this any legitimate team, the way they're playing. I think Indiana. Is it Tracy Jackson Davis or whatever for uh, for Indiana? Very, very good. Their first road game of the year, and I just don't see it going well. My Wyoming Cowboy squad is not doing very good, Krenz. Not doing good. Sure. Hunter Maldonado, they brought in some guys. I thought they would actually do something. What about, what about Coburn? What happened to Coburn? Kofi's, Kofi Coburn's at Illinois. Well, it's, uh, what the hell are you talking What am I talking about? I don't know. What the hell am I talking about Illinois? I don't know. What do I know? <laughs> I'm talking about Wyoming, and Wyoming is uh, not, not, not doing great. You lose no. to Boston College, get the hell out of here. No. Nope. Um, Wyoming, do better, do better. You, you got... know, I, 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 something else I learned a couple days ago. Mm-hmm. There's a noon game on Sunday on ABC. Michigan is going to play Kentucky. Ooh. Well, do you know where that game is being played at? Michigan, Kentucky. I assume it's going to be a neutral site. But the fact that you just said it's at noon and you're asking me where you, where I think that game's at makes me think it's somewhere out west. I was going to say 
the Barclays Center, but I'm going to go with T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. Go east. Go east. Further east, huh? All right. Way east. TD Garden? Way east. London? Yes. Interesting. I've never heard of it. uh, You'd think this would be a bigger deal. I don't remember this ever happening before, a game in London. There there was actually one earlier this year. Um, oh, God. Who, who, it was It was two bad teams. It was like... Um, At least this like an understanding. Okay, Michigan, Kentucky, and London. You think this would be a bigger deal? It is on ABC at noon on a Sunday, but still it's like... And also, North Carolina, they've got Virginia Tech. Sunday afternoon. They better watch their ass there. They're going to lose fucking Virginia Tech. Yep. Virginia Tech just beat Minnesota in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. By the way, this will be the last Big Ten ACC Challenge as um, they're going to go to the ACC SEC Challenge. So there, there we go. So that's the last year. This is the last year of the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Here we go, Krenz. I'm going to give you these two teams played in London. I think there I thought there were a couple other there's another game too that I saw. Oh, couple okay. Here are the you want to know these four teams in London or whatever. There's multiple um teams, but there I don't know if there's this a, a tournament of of some sort. This doesn't make a damn bit of sense to me, but um at least two games in the London Basketball Classic. Princeton and Northeastern and Manhattan against Army. Very weird. Because nothing says college basketball like Manhattan and Army. Good for them to get a trip, but who the hell would go to that game? Who the hell would care about that? It's a good question. I, I don't know why. I mean, Michigan, Kentucky. I can understand. I don't. I don't understand those other sports. This, if this was maybe the appetizer. Apparently, I'm not full. I need more. And that's what you're getting with Michigan and uh, Kentucky. Also mm-hmm. of note, uh, we we mentioned this last week while we were recording that SDSU beat Louisville, first time ever that they have taken down a top ten team. Uh, which I found a little surprising, but good for them regardless. They are getting votes, but they didn't do enough apparently to get ranked. I don't know. I would think beating uh, three of your last four wins coming against Mississippi State, Rutgers, and number 10 Louisville, and a loss to a ranked UCLA squad, I would think that would be enough to get you in to the top 25. So I don't know what the voters are looking at. Uh, SDSU this week, the women at Washington State Monday night at Montana State Wednesday night. Then they come home uh, for a battle with someone. Let's see if I can get that pulled up here. Um, I mean, it's another name thing. Of, I mean, they're, they're, they're very good. Um, they're not new. They've been good for, uh, for 20 years. They made the Sweet 16. I think, you know, they'll, they'll lose to, to South Carolina and... I'll give them hopefully just one more loss, and then they, there's no. I mean, USD does not look very good this year, mm-hmm. so there, there there's no reason to lose a conference game. 
So if you can go into the tournament with four losses, you know, maybe you get a five seed. Northern Iowa on Saturday, that's a, a good battle in the uh, you know, Missouri Valley against Summit League. But I, I think SDSU women should go no worse than two and one this week. I would honestly think three and oh. Washington State is a bubble team. So uh, why don't you just beat them? But uh, I'm a little uh, astounded at the disrespect that uh, you beat a top 10 team. You're doing really, uh, you're four and two and you can't crack the top 25. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, I don't get it either. It's not, like they're back back, it's not like their losses are that bad. No, I think they'll be back there at the end of the year. I think they'll get there, but. Right. I'm just looking here right now at the Big East. Uh, stand, like Creighton, I believe they're still ranked, right? Yes, Creighton is is 6-0. and oh, They're ranked 13th in the country in, in women's basketball. And uh, let's go to the, uh, the Pac-12 and see where UCLA's at. I mean, they could only be behind Stanford, right? I mean, got uh, got come on. Yeah, they're in the top 15. I think they're 15th in the country. So your top two law or your two losses are the top 15 teams, and you've beaten a top 10 team. Like, I, I, I'm struggling to figure out. I know there there are a lot of good women's uh, college basketball teams. Yeah, UCLA's 15th. I I just don't see how with the resume or with the with the wins that SDSU has that they aren't ranked at this point they're they're close they're like 27th because they're getting a lot of votes but not enough to, to crack the top 25 i would imagine i don't know whoever votes in the media poll like how many of them have ever seen south dakota state play how many could tell you where south dakota state is on a how many, could, you, could you name one player name maya Sullen. could you name anybody else do you know anything about south dakota state i would guess 80 percent of the voters if not more where that would be enough I would agree with that. So there's that. Um, let's see. Anything else uh, we need to get to before we say so long? There's a college basketball game on Thursday night. I'm very excited about. Oh, let's let's take a look here. Let's see what you what uh, what basketball game you might be in, uh, talking about. It's not UNC Indiana, I don't think. No. By the way, the SDSU men struggling right now. Not good. I mean, I, I, I said there'd be some losses here. Oh. And once we get to the conference uh, season, we'll figure it out. I, I'm going to be watching this game. I know exactly what you're talking about. Creighton, Texas? I want to see Texas. I haven't seen them. They're number two behind Houston. And I really like Creighton. Yep. I think Texas, uh, without seeing Texas, I would pick Texas to win. But, I mean, Creighton is a joy to fucking watch. Yes. Yes, they are. They do. Baylor Shire, I got to apologize to Baylor Shireman uh, when he picked Creighton. I said, why would you do that? Uh, but, yeah, he might go to the NBA, and Creighton's going to be really good. So, good, good pick going to a good team. I believe. Did I have Creighton at the end of last year? I feel like I did. I think you did. You were on them for a long time. So... Um. Yeah, I, I just I love this team all the way around. They 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 can beat you so many different ways. Um. Yeah, 
Join, join me. Uh, everyone, come on the Creighton bandwagon. Um, yeah. They're, they're, they're the real deal. Yes, I will be watching that game. That should be a fantastic one. Big East, Big 12 battle. Um, I like Arkansas. I like their point guard with the big hair. And I think they got another Dennis Smith. Or they got some guy that hasn't played yet that's a big-time recruit. So Arkansas yes. playing like them. Yep. Yeah, I was just going to say, they the way they competed in the Maui Invitational without arguably their best player uh, says a lot about that team. And there's a couple other games that are big. Houston. Uh, Houston plays Alabama next Saturday. Houston will crush them. Houston I can't say crush. They like to play close games. It'll be very low scoring. Houston had trouble with Kent State Saturday. So. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, Houston's one of those teams where their schedule's not very tough. So kind of like the Gonzaga of old to where they're going to have to prove it here. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've got Virginia in a couple weeks. So those are their two big games, Alabama and Virginia. Oh, my gosh. Houston against Virginia. Can, will it be the first one to 30 wins? Did you see the who the who Wisconsin play? It was, what, 45-43? Oh, Gross. In the uh, Battle for Atlantis, Wisconsin beat somebody by two. Terrible. Nick Smith Jr., I believe, is the yeah. guard for Arkansas. He's a big recruit. And then you look at Arizona. Arizona plays Indiana next Saturday, and they also play Tennessee. So I'm looking at teams who could go undefeated. They're going a long run. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at maybe Arizona. Because Pac-12, not all that good. Um, I don't think the Pac-12 is good at all. Oregon is struggling. UCLA is good. USC is okay. So I like um, maybe Arizona to be that last undefeated team. I don't know. Potentially. Potentially. I mean, Oregon, yeah, doesn't look good, so... If, I mean, if, if Houston can beat Virginia and Alabama, then they're then they're it. Yep, I would agree with that. Absolutely, it's going to be a lot of fun to uh, to watch, and we will keep doing that here. We'll keep talking college basketball. Anything else we need to get to before we say so long? Should be it. A lot of basketball. Yes. A lot of basketball. A lot of basketball, and we'll talk a lot next week. We'll talk about the college football playoff, everything like that. So, uh, always appreciate the time, my friend. Have a great rest of your week. Uh, pump your own gas, and we'll, uh, like I said, we'll talk to you next week. All right, we'll see you later. Travis Crins joining me here on Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time. As always, got a lot of, lot of good stuff here um, to talk about. A lot of great college basketball. I got to start watching more because you're seeing a lot of these great teams. There's a lot of great college basketball action here. We got a lot of good uh Conference title games this week in college football. We have some good NFL action. We have great World Cup action here. Lots of upsets. We're going to talk about it all. We're going to talk college football with Charlie Hildebrand coming up next. And then we hope to land Marcus Traxler on the podcast this week with his reaction to the World Cup thus far. That's all coming up here on the Sports Block Podcast. Available on podcast.com and on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Follow me on Twitter at NDStack and Facebook. Nathan Stack and Travis is on Twitter. Twitter at Travis Crins, a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. What do we make of rivalry week and what is going to happen in championship week? 
We'll talk about that next with Charlie Hildebrand. It's coming up on the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com and on iTunes. Continuing here on the Sports Block Podcast, we have plenty more reaction to the weekend in college football because it deserves it. And who better to do that with than our resident college football expert from the Northwest Iowa Review, Charlie Hildebrand. Charlie, let me be among the last to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. You were both among the first and the last, so let me be among the last to also wish you a happy Thanksgiving. I appreciate that. I hope you had a wonderful holiday. Um, lots of good football. Started out Thursday night with a, a upset in the Egg Bowl. Ole Miss is just completely falling apart. Uh, but then we saw four top ten teams lose on Saturday. And most notably, it was the, the game of the week. Number two, Ohio State against number three, Michigan. And just as we all expected, a lot of big uh, scoring plays through the air and on the ground done by Michigan. Um, this was a result that I don't think a lot of people saw coming and certainly not the style of play that uh, Michigan has. I already screwed up. Uh, Michigan, J.J. Uh, McCarthy once. I said it was McNamara earlier talking to Travis, so I'm going to get it right with J.J. McCarthy. But wh- what? Ha- I, this was a stunning result the way Michigan did. I mean, let's remember, we, we talked about this last week. I picked that Michigan was going to win while you were saying Ohio State was going to blow them out. Yes, yes. Now, I, I didn't think they were going to win like this. I was thinking, like, oh, if Michigan's going to win, they're going to have to win, like, 21-17. to 17. And I think they were down 20 to 17 at halftime. Yes, they were. And at halftime, I was like, oh, this isn't good. They've had two long pass plays and basically done nothing else. And Ohio State's going to turn it up and blow them out in the second half. And it was quite the opposite. Where, I mean, what, Michigan had 10 yards rushing in the first half and finished with like 260 or whatever. And doesn't even have Blake Gorham. I mean, when he had like two carries, and they're just like, oh, yeah. And I'm blanking on their backups. Donovan Edwards had uh, his two. He had one arm and two long rushing touchdowns. Yes. Which was quite impressive. 75 yards and 85 yards. He had 160 yards and two touchdowns on those two carries. It was just incredible. Just incredible. I feel like this game kind of changed with Ohio State up 10 to 3. It was early in the contest. They were going for it on fourth down, and they turned it over on downs. They They were at like Michigan's. Oh, I want to say they're 30 or 35, something like that. If they convert that, if they can score even a field goal, get up by 10, I think it changes a little bit how the rest of the game goes. It definitely goes. might have. But I, I feel like that stop swung momentum in favor of Michigan. The, the one I, 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 You're not wrong. The one that I was going to point out to was in the third quarter. And some people on Twitter, if you look at stuff, have pointed out that maybe it was supposed to be a fake punt and something went wrong. Oh. And it looks like maybe the guy accidentally snapped it up on her uh-huh. when it was supposed to be a fake. I don't know if that's true or not. But one of the times that Ohio State had it past midfield, and it was like fourth and four, and they didn't go for it. And I think they were down four or eight year Ohio State at home, and you're past midfield against Michigan and you're not going for it on fourth and four and, and punted it. Not like, oh, well, we're going to kick a 38-yard field goal and get points. Just nope, we're straight up punting it. Mm-hmm. And that was 
And like I said, if whatever Twitter people are correct say that it was supposed to be a fake and the snapper screwed up and, punted and snapped it to the punter instead of the up back, maybe, I don't know, but it, that would be a sign of a bigger problem that you don't have your stuff figured out that you're running the play directly. But, right. Um, I don't know how much, I mean, I, we were much, much younger. I was kind of aware of this, but did not follow football as closely as I do now. But the first, the last two years, the way Michigan showed up as the underdog and just kind of basically rubbed Ohio State's face in the dirt, what kind of reminds me of the Jim Cooper or John Cooper Ohio State teams in the 90s, that it would be like, oh, Ohio State's better and should beat Michigan. And you'd be like, wow, Michigan won again. What happened? And I wonder... I wonder, it it seemed like Urban Meyer always had a weird game he lost every year. Mm -hmm. I think it was because they put so much into, like, we're going to beat Michigan no matter what. And he never lost to Michigan. And Ryan Day has not had those losses. They don't lose to teams they shouldn't lose to for the most part. But at the same time, he's lost to Michigan twice. So I wonder if if maybe they're not doing the, every week we're going to, we're going to spend two hours working on Michigan stuff. So, I mean, I I guess long story short, I'm saying, in a difference of coaching styles, if all you care about in Ohio State is beating Michigan, it's not done well. Mm -hmm. But if you're just like, hey, we want to go into the last game of the regular season undefeated, he's clearly done that right. So, I mean, I don't want to say – it's tough to say he's doing a bad job, but he's not done a good job against Michigan in the last two years. No, he hasn't. And, I mean, that – like, Ohio State had the college football playoff – birth right in their sight. They just had to beat Michigan at home, and they were talking about it all week, and they've talked about it, I think, kind of at times all year about, yeah, we remember what happened. We're using this as motivation. We're not going to let this happen again, and this year was susceptible to the big plays. They gave up way too many. McCarthy had, what, 12 completions, and and three of them were touchdowns. And they were long touchdowns. Games twelve too. to twenty-four, which is not yeah. a great percentage, but but if you're but hitting on, off, if you're hitting on uh, a touchdown on twenty-five percent of your completions, that's significant. And you have the two long runs. It's like Ohio State's defense just completely went back to last year's form. I'm not disputing you, but what you said's right. Their offense also didn't do anything right. in the second half either. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, like, that's really been their calling card, like, the last four or five years. It's, oh, my God. This quarterback and these receivers and this running back, every game, 50 points, no one can stop them. And they had 20 at halftime, which you're like, oh, yeah, against the number three team in the country, we'll definitely take 20 at halftime. Mm-hmm. And then they had, what, they had three in the second half, I think? Yep. So, yeah, it was... Like, again, if you would have told me on Saturday morning, like, hey, Michigan's going to win, I'd be like, yeah, I could see that. But if you would have said one of these teams is going to win 45-23 or whatever the final score was, mm-hmm. I think most of us would have been like, oh, clearly Ohio State's going to roll. There's no way Michigan wins by three touchdowns in Columbus. Right. Well, and I wonder, you know, Trayvon Henderson, if he was if he had played for um... – if he had played for Ohio State, does that change anything? 
maybe a little bit. He's a good free safety. Yeah, I was just going to say, maybe a little offensively, but certainly wouldn't help the defense unless he's going to play on that side of the ball. So that was a rather stunning um, result with Michigan winning. They're in the Big Ten championship game now. Georgia gave up a touchdown to Georgia Tech right away, and their offense really struggled in the first half, but ultimately they prevailed 37-14 over Tech in the rivalry there. But then we have utter chaos in the other three, like with three other top 10 teams. Clemson loses to South Carolina. Like, all of a sudden, South Carolina's offense is one of the hottest offenses in the country. Spencer Rattler can do almost no wrong. DJ Uyugale had an ugly game. Like, that's, there's no other way to, to say it. I feel like his time in Clemson may be in, coming to an end. I don't think he's a senior, but if he is a senior, then of course it's come to an end. That was a stunning just in regards to the fact that Clemson blew a 14-0 lead and then, what, had a nine-point lead going into the fourth quarter and lost that game against South Carolina at home. What, the 41-game home win streak? That's yeah, I think I saw that they had the longest home winning streak since, like, Nebraska from the early to the late 90s. Yeah. And, I, yeah, I would not have expected South Carolina to stab it. And the other thing, too, kind of like the Ohio State-Michigan game, if you would have told me that that Clemson got 30-whatever points, yeah. it's like, well, clearly they're going to win. Their defense hasn't given up 30 to South Carolina. Right. Especially at home. And they did. I think what's frustrating about this, It's too, not even the most surprising one of the weekend. No, me. no. But it's, it's very surprising, though. I, I think what's most frustrating about this game, for me is that I thought South Carolina had that potential this year. But it just never... There was no consistency. Crying out loud, this is a team that scored 10 points against Missouri at home earlier this season. How do you go from scoring 10 points to Missouri at home to scoring 63 against Tennessee and then putting up 31 on the road against Clemson? It just... it Practice. Apparently, it just defies logic to me. It really does. Um... So that was bad. And then I'm watching the battle for the axe. So, because uh, I have rooting interest in Minnesota beating Wisconsin. Uh, Aiden. Uh, they won. It was. We, we, uh, we had to go to a, a dinner for uh, a relative's birthday. but So I didn't see the end of that, but we walked into the restaurant and it was like, oh, Minnesota's up 26 to, or 23 16 or whatever. Yeah. Yep. It's like, oh, hopefully they win and then forgot about it and checked like an hour later. It's like, oh, great, they beat Wisconsin. I love it when Wisconsin loses. Did you see how this game ended, though? So I did not see how it ended. Okay, so uh, just to s- kind of set it here. So, by the way, Aiden uh, Kaliak-Manis, the freshman quarterback from Minnesota, he's the real deal. He threw for over 300 yards in this game. I think he's got – he's only a freshman. Like he's a The future is bright at quarterback for Minnesota. But they get up 23-16, to 16, and then uh, – Graham Mertz throws an interception, and the Gophers return it to, like, the 42. And they're just about in the field goal range here. Uh, Mo Ibrahim on, I think it was a second and six, made a move, and his, his knee went down, but they didn't call it initially. and he, he, So it would have been, like, a third and two instead. Um after review, it went to third and six. They got only a couple yards after that and miss a field goal off the upright. So they could have gotten up 26 to 16 with like a minute 40 to go or whatever. And instead, they give Wisconsin new life. 
Well, Mertz gets injured on the the ensuing drive for Wisconsin, so they have this backup quarterback come in. Let me see if I can get the uh, the name of said. The name of said student athlete for the Badgers. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Let's see. We got to get the okay. Here. Here we go. Here. Um, it's coming up here. I mean, he was a, he's a senior from Cincinnati. He's not. Um, uh, it means it wasn't a walk on from Sioux City. Oh, I think he's only like a sophomore. And as a walk on, I don't even know if he's still on the team. But I'm just giving you time as you are looking this up. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so he was he, not Daniel Wright. I take it. I think that was his name. It's like no. a six foot eight Sioux City guy. No, it was not. This guy is from Cincinnati. He's a senior. He hadn't thrown a. I think he'd thrown maybe one pass off. Chase Wolf is the guy's name, and he all of a sudden leads Wisconsin on this very impressive drive. They have it first and goal at the five, and like, oh my gosh, here it is. The uh, this is first and goal at the five with twenty one seconds left. Like, oh crap, Wisconsin. It's just like the way the Wisconsin Nebraska game was the yep. week before. Oh, except uh, your Gophers pulled it out. Here, here we go. Wisconsin's going to score a touchdown. We're going to go to overtime, and the Gophers are going to fall apart, and Wisconsin's going to win. They're going to win the axe. Crap. First play, what happens? Holding. Okay, back to the 15. Then a false start. So we're all of a sudden at first and goal from the 20. Incomplete pass. That's good. And then Wisconsin, their offensive line had just mental breakdown because they had two terrible false starts. Like, it's just very un-Wisconsin-like. So all of a sudden, it's second and goal from the 30. Two incomplete passes. So you go from first and goal at the 5 to second and goal from the 30, all because of penalties. It's just incredible. Um, Bottom line, a couple incomplete passes. Minnesota wins. They win the Axe for the second consecutive year. All is right with the world if the only they had beaten Iowa for the Floyd of Rosedale. Then they could have actually been in the Big Ten Championship game against Michigan. That would be fun. But instead, it's not. So, good win for Minnesota. But either way, I set that whole story, that whole, um, the whole plot up to tell you that I was paying attention to that game and not too much attention to the Civil War in Corvallis where Oregon has its 31 to 10 lead and all of a sudden I flip or I, I change over to the game after Minnesota's won the axe to see 38-34 Oregon State with Oregon facing like a, a second and goal from their eight. They run it, they can't get in, they, they they fail to get in on like four plays from inside the 10, and Oregon State wins. I like what an epic collapse yeah, by the ducks. I I mean, I know what happened in that game. I mean, I read about it, but I missed the end of that one. I mean, I was sitting in my parents' house, flipping back and forth between uh, Purdue and uh, Purdue and Indiana yep. and uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin. Not because I wanted to watch Big Ten games, but because those were the only two that were close. It was just like, oh, Oregon's up 17 or 21 or whatever. This yep. game's over. No need to watch this. You know, like, left, went to dinner, got back, and was like, wait, what? Oregon State came back and won? Yep. And they did it without throwing a pass. Their four drives, they had 19 rushes. No pass was thrown. Also pretty efficient. I mean, you're only having five run plays to get in the end zone. That's pretty good. But, But yeah, that is crazy. Oregon, all they had to do was win, and they would get 
USC in the Pac-12 championship game. Now, with that being said, USC beats Notre Dame. They looked really good doing it. Caleb Williams, Heisman Trophy. Uh... I wasn't some, going out on a limb too far last week when I said he'd win the Heisman. I feel even much better. About I, that I agree. You week. you are very good with that uh, with that prediction there because Caleb Williams has won it. Now I think Oregon though, because they have such a porous pass defense, Caleb Williams and USC would have eaten them up. I actually yeah, think, I think it's, it's more difficult now for USC this week facing Utah than it is facing Oregon. But Oregon still had the Pac-12 championship game appearance to them on a silver platter, and they just... I, I, I don't know how to describe it other than they shit the bed. Yeah, I mean, against they were at, it's like the equivalent of like they were at, like, you know, a college girlfriend going to meet her parents for the first time. It's like you did everything right at dinner. All you have to do is push in your chair and say thank you, mm-hmm. and somehow they, like, slipped and tripped and fell on the table... And then said some weird slur that offended the mom and the dad. Yep. It's like you had this, like all you had to do was walk out the door and you were fine. What yep. did you? Why did you do it this way? Yep, that's a great analogy. Great analogy. It's just how it just Oregon has some soul searching, I think, to do here. Um, and I'll be very curious to see what Bo Nix does in the in the in their bowl game. I was talking with Travis about this. I the very like some rules that I'm going to try and and make sure to do when we do our college bowl pick'em, which comes up here in a couple of weeks. One is, uh, you know, if your team has a new head or lost their head coach, I'm not going to pick you. Like Cincinnati, sorry, I'm not picking Luke Fickle. Liberty, I'm not picking you because you lost Hugh Freeze. I just, or if I do, pick not picking it, the Carolina Panthers in a bowl game either. Right, exactly. If you. Or if I do pick it, it's going to be low confidence points. I don't pick, I'm I'm not going to pick an SEC team before December 28th to either win or if I do, very low points because they just don't give a shit about those bowl games prior to December 28th or 29th. I go and I say this now, but with Oregon, how do you play in a bowl game after that crushing defeat? And I would guess that Bo Nix is going to sit out because of his injured ankle and maybe prepping for, you know, the NFL draft. I don't know how you come back and and salvage a bowl game out of this. Like, you're going to play in a bowl game, but where's the effort going to be? I mean, that's the thing you never know. They'll have a lot of time. I'm sure there will be many players that will want to go out and get the bad taste out of their mouth. So that's, that's the upside, is that there's something to, like, work and strive for. I mean, obviously, it's not going to be in a in a, a playoff game. I don't know if they would if they could get into a New Year's Six Bowl, like get into the Rose Bowl or not. Assuming USC wins and goes to the playoff, I don't know if it would be Oregon or like if it would be Washington or, or who it will be. I would guess probably Washington, or maybe even Utah. I don't know, but well, I would say Washington or Utah have a better chance than Oregon. Okay, so fair. So not going to that one. I don't know. Maybe they're going to the, the Holiday Bowl or something. But, or the Alamo Bowl. Or the, or the Alamo Bowl. Um, but it's Dan Lanning's first year as a head coach at Oregon. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's some things he'd like to change, and I guess that gives him time to work on it in the offseason. Um, I don't know how bad Bo Nix's ankle injury is. I don't know if I completely rule about playing this as a quarterback who's unlikely to get, like, a truly awful, awful injury. 
you're like a running back or a receiver, I get it a bit more. And not to say that he definitely is going to play the full game, but I, I don't know. I just I, I wouldn't be stunned if he decided he did, but wouldn't be decide or wouldn't the, be surprised if he didn't want to. The only that. reason I think he wouldn't play is because he was ineffective rushing the football the last couple of games. And I think he had minus five yards rushing against Oregon State. I mean, Bo Nix... True, but he's played. I mean, now he could actually get, like, a real two-and-a-half, three weeks off and have it heal some. Yep. Where it's not really going to heal much if you're like, well, we let it heal for three days, and then I had to practice, and then I had a game, and it got worse again. Mm Mm-hmm. But again, but I I mean, I don't know how bad it is. I mean, it's possible it's, it's worse than what I'm saying, and it's just like... Yeah, he needs to be off for two months for it to get better. You know, I don't know that. I mean, I don't know if it's a high ankle sprain, but. And then I don't know if this added any motivation to their arch rivals in Seattle, Washington, but I think it had to give Washington great satisfaction knowing that all they had to do was win and they kept Oregon from going to the Pac-12 championship game. They beat Washington State 51-33. Like, Oregon would have been in if Washington State would have beaten Washington. But as a result, Washington wins uh, because tiebreakers. Utah gets in now over Washington to face USC. Um, I, I have to think Washington to great satisfaction out of not only winning the Apple Cup, but keeping Oregon out of the Pac-12 championship in the process. Well, second, let me tell you something. As a Nebraska fan who uh, got to watch Iowa not go to the Big Ten title game because Nebraska beat them, I can yes. tell you that they probably felt pretty good about I, that. Yes. How are you feeling after that win? Uh, pretty good. I mean, I'm, I'm very glad that Iowa was in the Thanksgiving spirit and had all those turnovers that they just gave away in the first half. That was very festive of them, and I appreciate it. I also love and think it's absolutely hilarious that the best win of the Scott Frost era came when he had already been fired and wasn't even the coach anymore. And I love the irony in that. Well, now that we're on Nebraska here, before we get to the SEC, let me just ask you this. Matt Rule being named the head coach, I got to tell you, as a Minnesota fan, seeing Luke Fickle go to Wisconsin and now Matt Rule go to Nebraska, being in the same division as Wisconsin-Nebraska, it's like, oh, man. Like the, the Gophers are just destined, I think, to win only seven to eight, maybe nine games a year, but not really compete for division titles. The ex- I know what you mean. I was not happy when I found out that Wisconsin got Luke Fickle. I was like, ah, shit, that sucks. They're going to be really good again. But considering what Matt Rule has done at Temple and Baylor, resurrecting that program from the dead almost, I, you have to feel really good about this hire. I do. I mean, of, of the realistic hires they could have gotten, you know, a month, a month and a half ago. I never thought Urban Meyer would want to come back. I mean, I think Urban Meyer would only go back for someplace like, you know, Notre Dame or USC. I mean, it's it's only going to be a top three, top four job, mm-hmm. which I think Nebraska is a better job than some people give it credit for, but it's obviously not a top five job. Um, I think on paper, I mean, you never know with coaching hires. I mean, I can just give you three recently that I've all thought were slam dunk on. I thought Scott Frost at Nebraska, and I thought Tom Herman at Texas, and I thought Dan Mullen at Florida mm-hmm. were all like, oh, this guy's going to be there for a long time and be fantastic. And they were all fired within five years. So you never know for sure. But with that being said, I think it's a really smart and wise hire to get that role. It makes sense on paper. I mean, it might not work, but I it, it, Nebraska, I think Nebraska, since I started following, I guess I should say following, in my lifetime, Nebraska's made six head coaching changes. 
And it's always better when it's one that you see it and you're like, oh, that makes sense. I mean, it may or may not work, but it makes sense. That's mm-hmm. better than when you have to say, oh, well, and this is basically like what I thought with Bill Callahan and what I thought with Mike Riley, where it's like, well, if they do this and they do this and they do this, then maybe it'll work. Like, you don't want to have to start saying that. You want it to be like when they hired Bo Pelini or Scott Frost, even though Frost clearly didn't work, or Matt Rule now, where you hear it and you're like, oh, that makes sense. That could work. Let's see what this looks like in two or three years then. Mm-hmm. I would imagine they're not going to be very good in year one. They weren't good in year one under Rule and at, uh, at Temple or Baylor. But obviously he's a program builder, and where Nebraska is right now, they need to build themselves back up. I know some, depending on the Nebraska fans, some of them, the, uh, the expectations have changed. You know, some people still say national title or bust, but there aren't many of those anymore. You know, some more conference title or bust. Before any of that matters, you got to get to a bowl game first. You haven't been to a bowl game in six years. I think they found someone who should be able to get them to a bowl game in two or three years, then at least based off prior collegiate stops. Definitely. Definitely. I, like I said, I, I love the hire for you. And it, it, like I said, as a Minnesota fan, it's like, ah, oh, crap. Between, again, between Luke Fickle and Matt Rule, I think that I like Matt Rule at Nebraska more than I like Luke Fickle at Wisconsin. And I, I mentioned this to Travis, and I'll just get your thought on it. I think I, I'm a little surprised Luke Fickle took the Wisconsin job. Like, he had Notre Dame on a silver platter last year and didn't do it. Or maybe Notre Dame, like, I guess that was the rumors. Like, oh, Luke Fickle going from Cincinnati to Notre Dame. And it didn't happen. But Cincinnati's going to the Big 12, and I would think you have a better chance at competing for conference championships in the Big 12 once or uh, once Oklahoma and Texas leave than you do at Wisconsin, because you're always going to have to battle with Iowa and and you know soon to be up you know, up and coming Nebraska team, maybe Minnesota, but also think about the East with. Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and even USC coming in in a couple years. I just don't know if, like, the Big Ten obviously has a little more money, certainly on the TV aspect of it with the media rights, but I I think if you were looking to win or have a better chance, Cincinnati would be the... I think Cincinnati has a better chance of making uh, headway in, conf- in, in the Big 12 and winning conference championships than I think Wisconsin does in the Big Ten. They might. It's it's worth noting that in conference realignment, we've seen a lot of schools go to different conferences and thought, oh, wow, I thought they'd be better. They're not very good in this conference after. Because mm-hmm. you just never know when you're changing conferences how it's going to play out. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, I mean, he's a Big Ten guy. He's an Ohio State guy. I realize that Wisconsin is an Ohio State, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be as simple as he just was like, well, if I'm not going to be in the American where I kind of like some things we're doing and I'm going to a Power 5 conference, I'd just rather be in the Big Ten than the Big 12. Um, and it's always weird when you're, I mean, it, it, none of this is like stuff that can't be overcome. I don't want to make it sound like it's impossible. But go to a new conference and a new conference where you're not really going to be close to any of the teams either. In some ways, kind of be like another West Virginia in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. I can understand being like, you know what? I know the Big 10 in and out pretty well. Instead of trying to learn 
everything about all these new teams. Maybe I just want to go to Wisconsin where it's already set up fairly well. Then just go from there. I mean, I you brought up the Notre Dame thing. I'd forgotten about the Notre Dame thing, which that makes me wonder if you if you didn't actually have it, if it was like, oh well, let's let's talk to some other people just in case we don't get Marcus Freeman. Mm-hmm. Because I would definitely think you take Notre Dame over Wisconsin. But, right. Well, but this yeah. makes me think that maybe he didn't really that he didn't actually get offered that. It's just saying, well. I'm a Big Ten guy through and through. I want to stick here where I'm at least in the conference. I know well. Well, now the other question with that is with, with Paul Crist being fired in the middle of the season, they give Jim Leonard the the interim head coaching deal. Do you think it was to see if he could be the head coach? I mean, I, I almost thought that... I think that's exactly what Wisconsin okay. was doing. And I think they thought that he would win a couple more games. So and it would kind of be like a crowning, like, wow, great job. We wanted you to do it, and you did it. Now you're the head coach. Now they're in the kind of awkward, like, well, uh, I guess we're not going to get you after all. So this was, if he had won one or two more games, do you think Leonard would be the head coach and not Luke Fickle? I do think so. Okay. I think that okay. they would have loved to have it be Jim Leonard. Because I think he... Maybe he's not a head coach. I don't know. It's a weird situation getting jumped up to the interim head coach. Mm-hmm. And maybe he could be good, but he's just not ready for it. But he's been a great defensive coordinator. I mean, I'd love it if Nebraska hired Jim Leonard as their defensive coordinator. Right. I mean, that'd be an A-plus move. But but I, I honestly do think that they wanted it to be Leonard first. And then when it, they realized, like, oh, he's going to go, like, 6-6 six and six or 7-5, and five, maybe that's not quite what we wanted. They get fickle, which, like I said, I think is a if you're Wisconsin is a really good hire. Yes, and yep. I wish that they would have made a worse hire than yeah, they did. I, I agree. Um, I agree, it's a good hire. I just like if you're firing a head coach in the middle of the season and naming, um, to, like I get that coaches get fired all the time, but it just felt like at a school like Wisconsin that doesn't make these irrational decisions. Like there's a thought process that goes into everything, and to name Leonard the the interim head coach, I thought that was more, and maybe it was just a, um, not a rehearsal, but like a an audition for the head coaching job, and he didn't get it, and so Wisconsin went with Plan B. That was Luke Fickle, but I think Luke Fickle's better than what Jim Leonard will ever be or would ever have been at Wisconsin. It's just it's a weird situation all the way around. With Wisconsin, but I it is, and I think Fickle is stepping into a weird situation too. Like I think he'll be good, but and this is—I mean, I realize that it's not a, an apples to apples comparison. But Nebraska has twice fired coaches that won nine games, and then they immediately fired them. And then you bring in a new guy, mm-hmm. and I think I've talked to you about this before in some way, shape, or form. But I always feel like with a new head coach, after you fire a guy, the easy thing you can do mm-hmm. is say, like, hey, it's my way or the highway. You guys tried your, your way last year, and it didn't work, and that's why your coach got fired. Mm-hmm. We're going to do it my way so we can win. And that, like, sort of works, but doesn't quite work as well. Yep. I mean, in Nebraska, it really didn't work. But it's like, well, no, we won nine games. We were good last year. It's not the same at Wisconsin, but, like, Wisconsin wasn't bad this year. I mean, they didn't achieve what they wanted. I mean, they underachieved, but, you know, they're still going to a bowl game and still have good pieces and if they wouldn't add as many injuries, could have won more. And I do wonder if the uh, 
you know, the showing up hard ass thing works. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible they could be like, oh no, actually, the guys don't really like this, and we could have problems. And I mean, actually, I guess, I guess you know, being a Nebraska fan, I hope that's what happens. And Wisconsin's bad, but I don't think it's going to work out that way. Yeah. Uh, so that's what's going on in the Big Ten, and then we go to the SEC, where LSU could have been the first two-loss team ever to make the college football playoff, and they saved everyone the headache and you know maybe the bitching and back and forth, like, oh, does LSU deserve it? They just said, no, we're, you know what, we're going to lose to Texas A&M. And, Got and, ran off the field by a bad A&M team. Yeah, like, it, it was beyond bad. Like, I don't know... Were they overlooking AM, preparing for this game against Georgia? What do we make? Like, how do we attribute? Has this? Jimbo only been game planning for this game since losing to Alabama? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. What do we attribute to LSU's horrendous showing? I don't know what it is, other than I would just say, I guess it's a rivalry game where 18 to 22 year olds do weird things sometimes. The only result to me that was more stunning than that the entire weekend was top-ranked NAIA Morningside got upset by, like, the 15th-ranked team in the country in the quarterfinals. Really? And that's the only one that I was just like, oh, my God. I, like, not just that A&M won, but that A&M won handily. Yeah. And I think LSU cut it to 14 or something like that late, but... Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me that Texas A&M won 13-10... to 10, I would have been like, oh, I didn't expect that, but I I suppose I could see that. But their offense, which has been brutal all year, looks easily the best it's ever looked, which which actually is probably not a good sign for Texas A&M long term, Mm -hmm. is I would imagine they're not going to make as many changes on offense now. It'll be in the same boat next year where they're like, oh, hey, our offense isn't any good, but we didn't make many changes. I don't know. Long story short, I'm flabbergasted by that. Like, like there have been a lot of surprising results this past weekend, and that was the one. I, if you would have said the winner and the score, I would have just said no, absolutely not. There's no way it plays out like that. Yeah, I mean, and I we I think we've been talking about this probably since the beginning of October. Like, there was this potential for a lot of teams to make arguments realistic arguments that they should be in the college football playoff and there was this chance for chaos and we don't have that now i don't know not really i mean we can get a little tiny bit of it depending on what tcu and usc do but but that's it other than those two games it's just like yep you're really? you're in if you win, and that that's it. That's, really, that's though, what it's, we got. it's it's TCU. Like if if TCU loses, do you put a one loss TCU team in or a one loss Ohio State team in? I I think that's really the only question that we're going to have. If TCU wins, if USC wins, there's no debate. What? Yeah, if what, TCU what and USC in. win, it's easy. Yeah. If USC loses, USC's out too. USC has to win to yes, get in. Yes, yes. And then, but yeah, I think that's right. The only other one is if TCU loses, then it's going to be is it TCU or is it Ohio State? Yep. And what would be fascinating if oh, if USC lost and Ohio State got in would be we'd get this Georgia Ohio State semifinal, and we all kind of thought that that would be the national championship game. So if if that happens, that would be a fun wrinkle. It, if it happens, that's the that's the only way. And uh, speaking of the SEC, Hugh Freeze leaving Liberty for Auburn. What do you make of that hire? 
I think it's funny. Take this with a grain of salt because I don't remember where I read or heard this, but I heard somewhere. I, I don't remember if it was even serious or not, but that that uh, Auburn was trying to get Brian Harson fired, which obviously they later did fire up. Mm-hmm. And that one of the things was like, oh, well, is he cheating on his wife? Like, we can use that because <laughs> we don't want a coach that cheats on his wife. And it's like, well, great. Now you have Hugh Freeze, who's definitely never done anything like that before. Yeah, the, the Nothing moral- about prostitutes and massage parlors, Hugh Freeze. Yeah. Yeah, the the moral compass of Hugh Freeze is is not good. Maybe he'll coach more games from a hospital bed, like he did. He's a super weird dude. Like, like yeah. I, to be fair, I mean, I think he's a good coach. I mean, I don't know if I'd say he's a great coach. I think he's good though. He's beat Nick Saban twice at Ole Miss, which is not something many people can say. True. Yeah. And you know, I mean, if this plays like recent Auburn hires. I would imagine in year one or year two, they'll play for a national title or make the playoff, and then they'll get worse and worse the next two years, and by year five, they'll get fired. For sure. For sure. Uh, So that leads us to conference championship week here. And so let's pick these games. We have the Conference USA Championship game, 7-5. and Oh, real quick. I wanted to say one last thing just about this past week. Yeah. Is in all the predictions we made, some I nailed, uh, I feel really good about picking Michigan beating Ohio State. Yeah. As you may also remember, I picked Vanderbilt to beat Tennessee. Oh yeah, I, pr- I was going to mention that. Yep, I I was going to mention that too. I picked him to cover, and we were both very wrong. So my my picks, I was I was the Adam Dunn of picks this week. If it was right, it was a home run. But otherwise, it was like a whiff with two broken knees. Oh, Vandy, what are you doing here? What are you doing? Hey, but good season for Vanderbilt. To even have that opportunity for bowl eligibility is great. So let's go to conference championship week here. It starts Friday night. We have two conference championship games. Conference USA, North 7-5 North Texas against 10-2 UTSA, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Central Time on CBS Sports Network. I believe this is in uh, Texas uh, or in San Antonio because these conference these smaller conferences uh, apparently don't want to play in a neutral site, which is stupid to me. But that's be beside the point. Who do you? Well, like? I think they do it because they know they'll only get three thousand fans. That's and if they do it at home, they'll at least get like fifteen thousand people to show up. Fair, fair enough. It just uh, it to me it kind of takes away a little bit from the. Well, I guess Western Kentucky did beat UTSA last year, and that game was in San Antonio. Regardless, uh, who do you like in this game? I like UTSA. I think the Roadrunners are going to win. I agree. I'll take UTSA. Pac-12 Championship, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time on Fox. 9-3 Utah against 11-1 USC. Does Utah pull off the upset? They did earlier in the season. I don't think they do it this time. I think it's a good game, but I think USC wins this time. I want Utah to win so bad. Sorry, Schottenkirk. I just I want Utah to beat USC. I'm not ready for USC to be this good right now. This was a next-year thing for me, college football playoff team. But I I think USC wins. They're just too good. Now we go to Saturday. We have eight, uh, eight conference championship games here on the line. So we start at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central Time on ABC, the Dr. Pepper Big 12 championship game. 9-3 Kansas State against 12-0 TCU. It's all purple in Jerry World. That's great to see. We didn't expect it. Who's winning the Big 12 championship game? 
TCU's had a lot of close games. Wasn't close against Iowa State last week. I think this is another close one that goes down to the wire. Could go either way. But TCU finds a way to win again. 13-0 going to the playoffs. Deuce Vaughn scares me, but TCU's defense, I think, can corral him enough. Uh, Adrian Martinez is not playing anymore for Kansas State, right? Is he injured, or is he just get, did he just get benched in favor? He's injured. I don't remember how long. I don't know if he's back or not this week. I don't remember. I mean, either, I'm, I'm taking TCU either way. Their but. quarterback's doing really good, regardless. Um, yeah. Kansas State's doing an awesome job. I will take TCU. Just don't don't screw this up, TCU. Do not give the committee a reason to keep you out. What did? Yeah. Just don't do it. Um, so TCU. Side note on that. One thing I do think's funny. I, I I'm stealing this point from Rich Eisen, but it's true and it is hilarious when you think about it. That Ohio State, who absolutely loathes and hates Michigan and everything about them, mm-hmm. after losing to Michigan, trying to get into the playoff has to be like, we deserve to get in because we played Michigan and they're the best team in the country and we lost to the best team in the country, so don't hold that against us. Don't hold it against us that we lost to such a good Michigan team, which has to just be like giving them cancer on the inside. I you're just like, oh my God, I can't believe we have to say nice things about this team. We hate so much to try nice. to get in. I also think it's it's funny. Ed, I TCU what didn't get in the playoff in 2012. Ohio State got in, and that was a lot of 2014. But yeah, 2014. Okay, Ohio State got in over both TCU and Baylor. Yeah, and there was like oh, one of the the knocks against TCU is that they didn't play in the conference championship game. Well, wouldn't it be ironic if it if TCU gets knocked out of the college football playoff? Should they lose to Kansas State and Ohio State gets in yes. because? They're in a conference championship game. I hope that's not the case. I hope the committee looks at this and say, oh, a one-loss TCU team, look at the teams they beat in. Uh, I mean, the Big 12 had far more, far better teams than what Ohio State faced for the majority of their their season. But I don't know. Hopefully that's not the case, but I'll take TCU. I, I think the big, I think Ohio State had, had the best teams that they played. Or I should put it. I think Ohio State, if they would have beat Michigan, or Michigan and Penn State, I think might be better than anyone TCU played. But I think TCU played a lot more good teams. Yeah, the totality of the sense. schedule. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ohio State played two good teams, and I think TCU played like five good teams. Yes. Yep. It's just a matter of how good they were. Ohio State's were better, but the sometimes it's quantity that that wins out. So hopefully TCU gets the win there. We don't even have to talk about it. But we'll see regardless. MAC championship game is in Detroit. 7-5 Toledo against 9-3 Ohio. Noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central Time on ESPN. Who wins this game? Give me Toledo. I don't know why. It's just, I feel like Toledo's going right. to I will go. I'll be contrarian. I will go with Ohio. Though if their quarterback doesn't play, which it sounds like he might not, then I will switch to Toledo. Coastal Carolina, 9-2 against 10-2 Troy in the Sun Belt Championship. 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Who do you like in this one? I mean, I feel obligated to take the Shannon Clears. I'm always taking Coastal Carolina. I want Coastal Carolina as well, but uh, they got shellacked by James Madison. Uh, McCall or whatever, their starting quarterback, has not played for a few weeks. Give me Troy. Uh, I want to be wrong. I want Coastal Carolina to win, but I will take Troy. SEC Championship game, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central Time on CBS. 9-3 LSU against 12-0 Georgia. Who you like in this one? 
I, I mean, this is where I'm actually upset at LSU because if LSU just wins against A&M, I think this is more interesting. We'd be like, ooh, you know, Georgia started slow against Georgia Tech. Even if, I mean, unless Brian Kelly has, like, the best coaching performance of his life, there's something weird. I, I just, I don't know how Georgia's going to lose to LSU. When, what was... I mean, they gave they gave up 30 to A&M. I think they're going to give up at least 24 to Georgia. And I don't know if LSU can score 24 against Georgia. The motivation, I think, for LSU has been diminished greatly by, I mean, the only thing you can say is, hey, we could spoil Georgia's undefeated season. But Georgia's in the playoff regardless. LSU is not. What was the year that... I mean, to be fair, they are still playing a conference title right. game. Like, winning your yeah. conference championship isn't nothing. Yes. But I agree Correct. that it's, it's it's not nearly as enticing as win and there's a chance to get in the playoff. Or now there's no chance they're going to the playoff. When was the year that Missouri got in the championship, uh, the SEC championship game? Who'd they play again? I think they played twice. Was the it? first one was against Auburn in 2013, a week after the kick six. Okay, so this this game kind of reminds me of that. It's just, it doesn't have a lot of, like, you're like, Missouri, you, you have you have no business being here. I, I feel that way about LSU. Georgia, I think, rolls LSU in route to the to the SEC championship. And there's just there's not as much intrigue with this game now because of LSU's three losses. Yeah. I mean I think like scoreboard wise it might not look like a total annihilation. Like it might be twenty seven to ten. Mm-hmm. But like in terms of on the field, it's gonna be like, oh, this was never close at all. Right. I I think this is the championship game I'm most intrigued by on for uh, on Saturday. Maybe second only to the Pac-12 championship on Friday. It's the American Athletic Championship, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central Time on ABC. Nine and three UCF against ten and two Tulane. What it's like? Essentially, this boils down to who is going to represent in the 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 New Year's Six game in the in the Cotton Bowl. Tulane lost to UCF earlier this year in Tulane. Do they get the win here? I believe this is a new uh, a game in Tulane. This is not a neutral site. I think Tulane gets it done. It's, it's, part of that is just might be me liking that story more, but I want to see Tulane, and I'm picking Tulane. I'm picking Tulane as well. I want to see them win. This is the one I want the, to see the most. I want this program that's been left for you know has just been terrible for many years. I want to see them in the Cotton Bowl. Give me Tulane. Uh, Mountain West Championship game, 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central Time on Fox. We have 8 and 4 Fresno State at 9 and 3 Boise State. Boy, Boise State has really turned things around from earlier this season when they fired their offensive coordinator. Um, it looked bad for, for Boise State for a while. Things have changed. Who do you like in this one? I agree that it did look bad for Boise State. And I think it's, it's worked out well and it's going to pay off here with the conference title. So I'm taking Boise State. I am as well, though it should be worth noting Fresno State in their first year without uh, DeBoer uh, as head coach. Good for them getting to the conference championship game. Big Ten championship game here now, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time on Fox. 8-4 Purdue at number three uh, at, against 12-0 Michigan. This game's in Indianapolis. I think Michigan rolls Purdue. Uh, Purdue is kind of one of those sneaky teams, but... You know, congrats. I think uh, Travis picked them to win the Big Ten West at the beginning of the year. So congrats to them for getting here. I just don't see them 
hanging with Michigan? I don't either. I think last year's Iowa team is better than this year's Purdue team, and Iowa got rolled by Michigan. I also didn't know this till I mean, we're recording this on Monday night. Yep. As you may be unsurprised here, I've got this on Monday night football on mute while I'm or talking to you. I didn't realize this, but it said on the bottom of the screen that Purdue's quarterback, you know, Aiden O'Connell, apparently isn't even at practice right now. Like, there was some death in the family, and they don't know when he oh. is going to be back. So, which, you know, uh, unfortunate for him, you know, yes. certainly. Yep. There's bigger things than football, but... If you're Purdue and you want to win, that's also not a great start to the week of we're going to pull a massive upset. Right, right. Uh, and, and even if there wasn't any of that, I, I still don't think they win anyways. No. I mean, I think Purdue Purdue's realistic best hope outside of, you know, Michigan has six turnovers is like, oh, hey, we're only down 17-3 to three at halftime. If we get some luck, maybe we can, but it just never happens. I, mean, I think I think Michigan's going to win like thirty-eight to six. I'll give Purdue uh, seventeen. I'll say they lose 30, 34-17. Yeah, I mean I can see that too. Michigan I mean, covers, not, not close. Yeah, nope. Michigan covers, but it's it's it'll be more. It'll be a better game than last year, but it won't be uh, like a nerve-wracking game for. Um, for the maize and blue. Finally, uh, Subway ACC Championship game. Boy, this this game is now just taking a, a turn for the worst. Yeah, uh, chance, chance for two one-loss teams, and now it's a two-loss and a three-loss. Yeah. I, UNC, Drake May, uh, like that. I, ugh, it's bad. 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time on ABC. 10-2 and two Clemson against 9-3 and three UNC. Um... You know what? I was going to take Clemson, but even though neither of them look good right now, I, I just I think I think losing to South Carolina is going to screw up Clemson more. And I I don't know. I feel like I want to pick another upset. I'm going to say that North Carolina wins like 28-27. Okay. In a game that's like, wow, this was a really good game, but no one remembers a year from now because neither team's going to go to the playoffs. Exactly right. I will go with Clemson to beat UNC just because. I think their defense can uh, – obviously, something's happened with UNC the last couple of weeks offensively. Drake May isn't playing as good. Their defense is bad. I don't know who's getting the start at quarterback for Clemson, but give me give me Clemson to get the win here against UNC. Finally, before we go, uh, do you have any bowl projections uh, for what we are going to see when the college football playoff is revealed next week? Or on Sunday, I should say. Um, I don't have it pulled up. I forget which two. Peach Bowl uh, and Fiesta Bowl are the college football playoff games. Okay. I think I think it's possible that Michigan's number one in the playoff poll this week. But LSU, even with LSU's loss to A&M, Georgia's going to get more for beating LSU than Michigan will for beating Purdue. So I think Georgia's going to be the one seed. And therefore, Peach Bowl and Fiesta Bowl, you said? Yes. So it'll be Peach Bowl because obviously that's way, 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 way closer to Georgia. Um, And then I'm going to go Michigan 2, TCU 3, USC 4. Okay. You know, I'm just changing my mind. TCU loses, still gets in. So I've got Kansas State beating TCU now, but TCU gets in. 
anyways, and is the four seed to give us a Georgia TCU uh, Big 12 SEC South Bowl game. And then we get the Michigan-USC in the Fiesta Bowl, Rose Bowl, Pac-12, Big Ten, but it's it's in the Fiesta Bowl, which I think that would be fun to see. Okay, how about the Rose Bowl? So the Rose Bowl, therefore, would be Ohio State and Washington, I think, then. Yep. Which, which, I mean, interesting. I mean, I think Ohio State would win if they play decently, but, you know. Last year, I thought Ohio State would roll, and they needed a huge comeback to beat Utah. Michael. And certainly, Washington's known to throw it around some, so I think that could, it potentially could be interesting. Michael Penix Jr. could have a big, big uh, game against Ohio State's secondary. How about the Cotton Bowl? So the Cotton Bowl would be the Big 12 against the SEC, and they obviously neither of the I don't know. I guess the, the, the Kansas State would be the big that, 12 it, champ. That's so. the Sugar Bowl. The, the the cotton. That's the Sugar Bowl. Oh there. right, 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 right. So Tulane. I'm going to go with Tulane, and it would be whoever. That can, can we do that one last? Because that'll be yep. whoever I've got left over from an at-large team. Then. Yep, Sugar Bowl. So Sugar Bowl would then be Kansas State, and um, I, I guess I'm going to say Tennessee because LSU has. Four losses. I don't know if they're going to want a four-loss LSU team. You you think Tennessee over Alabama? Yeah, Tennessee beat Alabama, so I think they'll they'll still do that. Okay. Like Tennessee has been in the New Year's Six game in a while. I think I think they are much more likely to sell out a stadium or not sell out, but bring a big crowd than an upset Alabama team that's not playing for a national title. Sure, sure. How about the Orange Bowl? So the Orange Bowl would be, I think, North Carolina to win. So it would be North Carolina against either probably an SEC or a Big Ten team. I'm going to say that it would be North Carolina against Alabama. Okay. And then the Cotton Bowl. And then now we're back to the Cotton Bowl. Okay, so then for the Cotton Bowl that I would say – that it is, uh, I'm trying to, all of this I'm doing in my head right now. I don't think I forgot one. So then I, I guess it would be Tulane against Penn State, I think. Okay, yep. For a Cotton Bowl, which, which I mean, you know, the Cotton Bowl frequently is the odd one because it's got a group of five teams. But I think that would be an interesting intriguing Cotton Bowl. Mm-hmm. A little less so because Tulane's not undefeated, but still like, oh, hey, this could be fun. Right, right. Very good. Well, Charlie, I hope... Uh, you have your picks. I don't. Uh, well, Peach Bowl, I have Georgia against USC. Fiesta Bowl, Michigan against TCU. Rose Bowl, Ohio State versus Washington. I have Cotton Bowl, Penn State versus Tulane. Sugar Bowl, Kansas State versus Alabama. And then Orange Bowl, I will go with, I guess, Clemson against Tennessee. Uh, Travis and I have the same. Orange, Orange Bowl. I yes. like that. Yeah, Travis and I have the same across the board. So, should be fun. Have a, I enjoy this week. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, and we'll uh, be making some confidence picks here for bowl games as those get unveiled. But I hope you have a great rest of your week, my friend. Uh, and as always, I appreciate the time. Yes, thank you. And you will you'll rule the day that uh, Nebraska hired back. I, I, that sort of oh, works. Oh, very good. Very, very good. 
I, I like. Talk to you later, buddy. I a standing ovation for that one. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. Yep, have a good one. Charlie Hildebrand joining me here, Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time. So lots of he likes some upsets on Championship Week. We'll see if it happens. Uh, we will wrap up this week's edition. Let's talk some World Cup. We'll try and get Marcus Traxler on uh, to get his thoughts on the U.S. and all the upsets that we have seen so far. And then uh, we'll we'll recap Week 12 in the NFL and make some early picks for Week 13. That's all coming up as we wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com and on iTunes. Follow Charlie on Twitter at C.E. Hildebrand. World Cup talk to wrap things up on this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Coming up next. We continue here on the Sports Block Podcast, and it's time to talk about the World Cup. And the United States is moving on to the round of 16. Who better to do that with than our resident soccer expert and our FIFA World Cup correspondent, Marcus Traxler from the Mitchell Daily Republic. Marcus, how are we doing? I'm doing well. Nothing nothing, uh, nothing quite like... Uh... You know, Qatar and South Dakota, they're about the same, you know? Uh, yeah, the climate's the same. Uh, yeah, the temperature's the same right now. It, it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, let's just start with the big news here. Like, This has been a very fun tournament so far, I would say, because we've seen a lot of upsets, and we'll get to the upsets here in a moment. But the big news, the big story uh, coming out of the World Cup, at least from America's standpoint, is that America is advancing to the round of 16. They beat Iran one to nothing. Uh, Christian Pulisic with the the lone goal against Iran in the what the 38th minute or something like that. Uh, it hung. They hung on for dear life at the end. Iran made a push but could not ultimately get it done, and the U.S. advanced, and that was all that really anyone wanted. To get to, I think you know, to advance and get through the round of sixteen. Uh, what have you, what have you made so far? About let's just start with that match. What have you made? What did you make of the match? I mean, it was a hard match. Um, you know, it's one of those things when you know what the situation is, they have to win to advance. Okay, well, the U.S. needs a goal, and uh, you know they did end up getting that before halftime. But there was the first thirty minutes there where you thought. Uh, holy cow, this is becoming more difficult because the earlier you get that goal, the more pressure you put on Iran. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Polistic, you know, did her, you know, finished that goal right in front of the, the mouth of the goal. And so they get up one nothing. And then, you know, as we've seen maybe a couple times in this, uh, in this World Cup so far from the U.S., I mean, they really got defensive and really, especially in the last 15 minutes or so, we're really, we're really laying back, made the substitutions to do that as well. And, uh, you know, it ended up working out because they didn't give up the, the game-tying goal that would have uh, knocked them out of the, the knockout stage. But, um, man, is that – I mean, that's – you know, people complain about soccer and how boring it is and that sort of thing. And, hey, believe me, there's matches that uh, fit that bucket. But um, there's a lot of drama in a situation like that, too, where it's like, mm-hmm. okay, we can't afford to give up a goal here. Uh, otherwise, we're out. And uh, you've got the U.S. in a lot of ways hanging on for dear life now. If we're going to widen this out to the whole the whole group stage to this point, and I'm sure you're maybe going to get to that. This is what the U.S. has done the entire time. You know, they've given up they've given up one goal yep. uh, in, in three games. So, it was on a know, penalty kick have, too. It wasn't like it was fr- right. through during free play. That's exactly right. Yeah, and, and you know, kind of a dumb dumb uh, foul that led to the penalty. So, um, you know, if you don't make that, um, you know, you've got seven points to speak of instead of five. But 
you know, those, those things happen, whatever. Um, they are moving on. They are, as we talked about in the preview, uh, you know, segment a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to have, they have a difficult uh, match here with the Netherlands, but, um, to be moving out, moving out of that group, it was a, a group that we felt like they could get out of mission accomplished on that front. That scoreless draw that they had with with England on Black Friday, uh, a lot of people liked the match. Uh, thought it was you know hard fought and everything. What did I know? Like it's sometimes odd to say, "Oh, this scoreless draw was very riveting and entertaining." Um, but that really, I think, it, just based on what England did against Iran in the in their first in the first match, they're beating them what six to two. I think yeah. a lot of people, even just seeing you know the draw with Wales that the U.S. had in their first match, like okay, like this is going to be awfully difficult to stop England here, and the U.S. did it. And as you said, it's, they've been outstanding defensively. What did you make of that match in particular, and what did the U.S. do really well to stymie uh, England's attack? I thought they did a good job. I mean, just sort of not letting not letting England really mount any sort of consistent runs to the net, consistent build-up, you know, going down the field. It just felt like everything was disjointed for and that's because the U.S. did a good job of disrupting things, keeping England out of pace. They've got, obviously, great players. They, almost everybody uh, in, the, in, the, uh, in England's team plays in the Premier League or in a, a major league around the world, so... Uh, they have incredible players. Obviously, made the run to the Euros a couple of years ago. We know that. Um, and and for whatever reason, the U.S. when they've had these matches with England in in uh, international play, they fared relatively well against them and have not been you know blown off the field. So, yep. um, I, you know, the defensive mindedness I think worked out. I think from an England standpoint, they're frust- they were frustrated. They felt like they should have gotten more out of that match. But at the end of the day, they got seven points. Um, you know, if they had one slip up against the U.S., I think they can live with that. They still won the group, uh-huh. um, so overall, they're they're going to take the situation that they were in. And I think for the U.S., the uh, certainly the pressure was on them to beat Iran in this in this third and final match because if they had a draw, that wasn't going to advance them to the round of 16. So this was a vi- there was a lot of pressure on them, and I thought they really they came through quite well, all things considered. Yeah, I think, you know, the one thing you can kind of, you know, flip flip around from how good defensively they have been is just the struggles finishing, the struggles getting, you know, quality chances at the net. I know that they they had a couple cracks with England, the one long shot from Pulisic that hit the post. Um, you know, Wales, it was really a case of, hey, you were up, you gave up, uh, you know, the, the, the penalty late in the game to a guy who's going to make that shot, Gareth Bale. I mean, that's what he does. Yep. Um, and so... Um, them to get that first goal today obviously was huge because otherwise they would have needed two, and that just didn't feel like it was going to happen. The more you, the more that game rolled on, so um, obviously the finishing is going to be important. I think the defense translates. You know the way they played. Granted, Iran not that amazing. Wales, you know this uh, not that great. England, I think the defense is okay. We can roll this forward, and I think that'll be the thing to watch against the Netherlands is uh, can you replicate this defense now going into the bracket. Well, that's the, that's the really tough part here. The Dutch are just outstanding right now. Um, is this how how do you how do you kind of match these two countries up here and 
give me a, a give us a sense of just what kind of shot you give the U.S. of beating the Dutch. Um, I think I put this in like the twenty-five to thirty percent range. Um, I, I don't think it's impossible. There's certainly the underdogs. Uh, we talked a little bit last week about the uh, the five thirty-eight projections and how they have it. They have it about two-thirds England, one-third U.S. advancing. Obviously, there are no draws anymore. So um, you know, as you if you do play one hundred and twenty minutes, you got the penalty kicks. That can be a blessing. That can be a curse. I don't think the U.S. really wants to take it to that point. Um, because generally, I'm going to favor the team that's got the the bigger um, soccer pedigree, I guess, in the penalty kicks. Even if yep. we obviously see upsets in that format as well, um, but I just think that um, you know there's a lot of skill for for Netherlands. I think the challenge will be for for the U.S. to um, you know you've had a lot of really good performances in this tournament so far um, from some of these guys for the U.S. Mm-hmm. How much can how much can they replicate that? You know, um, and mainly, I think a lot of this does is going to ride on on Pulisic. What kind of help is he going to have? Uh, because now we're looking at basically four days off uh, before they play again. So hopefully, he's able to get healthy. Obviously, paid uh, one hell of a price yes, uh, getting that goal. Get, basically, getting cleated cleated in the next week. Uh, you know, down around the groin. So hopefully, uh, hopefully things work out for him because they need him. Obviously, yes. he is. You know, I I don't. From a worldwide standpoint, he's probably not a superstar, um, but he certainly is a U.S. soccer superstar, and they're going to need him. Well, and he didn't play at all in the second half against Iran. Uh, Iran Iran is it Iran? 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 I mean, what? What? As long as the government's not coming over and going to take us out, I think you can call him whatever you want. Okay. Obviously, obviously, we didn't get we didn't catch the crap that Tyler Adams caught. Yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, we're not in. We're not overseas, so we'll be all right. He had a very diplomatic response, though, so that was good. But yes. Pulisic, didn't, uh, Pulisic didn't play in the second half here. He said he's bound and determined to play in the match against the Netherlands. But what, also, didn't Josh Sargent get hurt in this game and had to had to leave? So I think there are several question marks for the U.S. going into this match with the Netherlands because if, if Pulisic isn't even at, like, 100%, at least he's out there, but I think you almost need a full-strength squad to be able to stay uh, and compete for that full 90-plus minutes with the Dutch. No question. And I think the more the more questions you have as far as who's available, who's injured, um, the more I think Greg Berhalter and the U.S. rely on uh, being defensively minded, try to mount a counterattack or two and see if you can't, or, you know, obviously set pieces, penalty kicks, all those sorts of things, but it's going to be a lot harder to build up play and drive it in for a goal against uh, the Netherlands because um, they have some of the best defenders in the world. Virgil van Dijk, uh, one of the best defenders in the world. So um, that's going to be the challenge uh, against a, a really good Dutch squad. Timothy Way, I think, has played really well. He's had several opportunities. And then, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but is it Giovanni Reina that that everyone's up in arms about? Like, why isn't he getting playing time? Why isn't he getting subbed in uh, during these matches? Like, is, is there a logical reason or answer that we have for why he's not getting in? Because it seems like a lot of people are up in arms about it. I think uh, USMNT Twitter probably needs something to gripe about. Certainly, Gio Reyna, uh, you know, quality player. Certainly, somebody that um, you know has played, um, you know, for Borussia Dortmund, and obviously has gotten some of that worldwide club experience. Um, he is only 20 years old, so I understand the idea of hey, 
Uh, you know, maybe this isn't prime time for him. Maybe it's say we're working him in. I agree. He probably could. He, he probably could have played more in the first three matches. But um, you know, he is a midfielder. The U.S. has good midfielders. Probably a bunch of guys that are kind of in his same category. I think the the main point in Reina's favor is um, right now you don't need to be playing anybody all ninety minutes all the way, and there's got to be a way to work work him in a little bit more. So. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's something to complain about, I think, for a lot of people. But overall, you've advanced. It's a new situation now. It's going to be tough to beat the Dutch. They're probably going to need Gio Reyna, especially mm-hmm. if Pulisic is out. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Maybe, yeah, you keep those fresh legs and, you know, the for a moment, potentially, uh, like what they'll face against the Netherlands. I do have a question from Travis here. Um, we know Travis is a huge soccer fan and stuff, and this was kind of, I think, stemming more so, because we were talking about it a little bit earlier, and he kind of wanted more so this is related to the scoreless draw with England. But th- this is just a, a question for you. He says, what do people like about soccer? Because I think the fact that you don't get a lot of scoring, there aren't a lot of shots, you get these scoreless matches like what we had with the U.S. and England, it's just not real appealing to the average person. So, what is it that people like about soccer? I mean, I'm not gonna. I, I, I'm gonna have a hard time probably defending uh, a scoreless draw as well because I think, in the grand scheme of those, there weren't a lot of chances in that match. There were some, but yep. there were not. You know, it wasn't just overflowing with sort of up and down play. I think I, I heard it. You know, a, a great point about it uh, earlier today is that you know. You can, it's a lot like baseball. You can live and die with every substitution. You can live and die with every, uh, you know, play, every movement on the field, or you can just kind of take in the larger action. Um, I think the more you kind of realize how much has to go into scoring a goal, whether it is a, a set piece, whether it is a penalty uh, that's drawn, or it is just sort of, hey, we need to string together these 12 passes to make something happen, um, I think that's kind of w- what I find enjoyable. Um, and obviously, within that, there's these little little one-on-one battles too. That mm-hmm. obviously every every sport has. So yep. um, there are different elements of that. And I think also a major thing that helps soccer is you have these superstars. You have these players that just like any other sport, they come up huge when the when it counts. Obviously, if we're talking about a scoreless draw, it may be a goalkeeper rather than you know a player in the field. But um, there are there absolutely are stars. A guy like Pulisic today is the biggest U.S. name. He makes the, the play that gets him the win. Um, and we're also getting to know some of these other players that maybe the stories, um, if you're more of a casual soccer fan, you're not going to have uh, as good idea. So I think a lot of the elements that are at play for the other sports are here with soccer as well, not to mention you know some of the um, countries that we don't know a lot about. Um mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a lot of strategy. People are going to chime in on Twitter saying, hey, you misplayed this, you should have done that. Um, I think there's all those elements that you kind of see in our traditional you know, sporting landscape as well. Qatar is the first host country to not win their opening match or get a point in the opening match, I think, ever in World Cup history. Is that correct? I, I, I read something like that too, yeah. 
Uh, so, I mean, gra- I, granted, I mean, I don't think a lot of people had a lot of high hopes for Qatar, but still, uh, that's some history worth noting. And then we've seen, I, I like, just looking at the broader scope of things, I think this cr- tournament has been absolutely crazy in terms of the number of teams that still have hopes as we're recording this right now. We're not quite through group stage yet uh, to the round of 16, but we have seen so many just bizarre upsets from Saudi Arabia taking down Lionel Messi and Argentina to Japan beating Germany. And I, I mean, I don't know, I guess I would say Costa Rica beating Japan then, uh, you know, they're in their next match, I think could qualify. Maybe Morocco beating Belgium. G- Germany has only one point thus far. So is it just because of the the time of the year that this tournament is being played in? It's different than what it normally is played in in the summer. What can we equate these upsets to, if anything, or is it just purely chaos? Um, I think there's always a a certain element of chaos with these tournaments. You know, you and I had the the breakdown a couple of weeks ago talking about you know who we thought would advance out of each group mm-hmm. it's like any it's like any sport particularly we, we have the breakdowns of hockey how we think it's going to go there's yeah. always upsets and certain things that you don't necessarily prepare for you don't prepare for Neymar getting hurt you don't prepare for you know basically two free goals from Saudi Arabia to come yeah. back and beat Argentina um, all kinds of all kinds of interesting stuff like that so I think there's just kind of a certain element to all that I think the time of the year absolutely plays into some of this you know you're interrupting what what would be normally your club season to have you know the biggest tournament of the year and you also have to think remember and i mean this would absolutely have come up if the u.s didn't advance it comes up in the case of canada who's already out uh in, you know in two matches the, the the window is so small i mean if you don't perform in these games um you're out and yep. it's, it's possible to be out in two games. If you're Qatar, it was very clear after one game that you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I get this drive in uh, drive by on Qatar in because you said uh, you know how unprepared they were that sort of thing. I, I just kind of quickly scrolled through on their uh, their little Google page here. It looks like they haven't beaten a team that's actually in the World Cup full strength opposition in like three years before this. They beat Japan. Um, so, and they played, you know, your typical world powers. They played teams that weren't very good. They probably beat those teams, but they just weren't prepared. They're just not very good. So, you know, I think a certain element of that is like, well, you give it to a, uh, an Arab nation. That's fine, I guess. But, um, you give it to a team that I don't know what they were ranked in the FIFA world rankings before this. They probably in the sixties or seventies would be my guess. I have no idea. Maybe fifties. Uh, but they're not very good, yeah. and we shouldn't be surprised that they got dusted yep. uh, in, in two games, or uh, three games now, I like, and, and they're out. Yeah, I like the drive-by there. I think I would kind of equate it to the host country in the Olympics. You get a team in for every uh, event, and so I'm thinking you know, like the U.S. in 2026 when uh, handball is uh, – when they have the handball team, they're just going to get shellacked by the likes of like Den- Denmark, Spain – and what that's what we're being that's what we're being told even though everybody says just recruit Kevin Durant and LeBron yeah. James and just have them go out and do their thing it doesn't sound like that's going to happen so yeah we might be screwed in the handball yeah i'm wondering too if geographic proximity has anything to do with this because like, Iran beat 
Wales two to nothing, and they had a chance to advance to the group stage. And I guess I haven't, I, I'm not looking at the FIFA rankings when I when I say this, but you know, you have Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. Um, you know, these these countries are close to Qatar in terms of you know geographic proximity. Does that have any any relevance, any any factor in this at all? Do you think? I think there might be a small element of that. I mean, I, I think uh, we were talking about uh, these teams that, you know, where they sort of ranked on their way in. It looks like Saudi Arabia was kind of in that third, fourth worst team area, maybe third worst. Um, so, I mean, they, they're not very good, uh, but they, they at least have a prayer of moving on, um, even though it, it looks like it's, you know, a relatively small chance to move on. Um I don't know. I think there might be something to that. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it's interesting because the three games is a small sample size, but at the same time, how many flukes are really going to get through? It's hard to say. Probably not very many. Right. As we are recording this, only two groups have completed their round robin of matches here and it advanced to um, to the round of 16. So in group A, the Netherlands advances along with Senegal. The Senegal, I think, you know, we have both picked them to advance. Maybe Ecuador could have snuck in. And then when that news came that uh, Senegal's best player or whatever, was it Senegal or Ghana that lost their best player? I thought it was Senegal. I missed it if, if, okay. that, if that happened. I thought there was an injury to the one guy who, had, like, in the last Premier League match or whatever. But I'm very happy to see Senegal get through against Ecuador. You have England. Oh, yes, you're, you're right. Sadio Mane was yeah. out for Senegal. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, good point. Good. Uh, So, I'm very happy that Senegal is able to advance. We'll see what happens there. No African country made it to the round of 16 in the last World Cup. So, I liked seeing that there. Uh, England and the United States advancing out of Group B. Group C, right now you have Poland uh, with four points, Argentina and Saudi Arabia each with three, and Mexico with one. Like... I guess we kind of think more so, you know, the in terms of the European powers, the Germanys, the Spains, the Frances, the Englands. But over on this side of the of the pond, I, to, for lack of a better term, it's a lot of people think, you know, that it's Mexico, Mexico, Brazil, and um, you know, some of the Argentina and whatnot. What what's going on with Mexico? Because they're they, they're looking like they won't advance here. Yeah, a lot of pressure on them. A lot of um, looking at their roster. I can't uh, sit here and claim to be a great expert on on Mexico's whole roster, but I'm seeing a lot of names here that I don't totally recognize, and maybe that's just because I am this casual guy. But um, you know, it's it's a little bit to me um, a little bit of uh, pressure and a little bit of unknown kind of um, roster to me um, about how this is going to go. Um, I think, you know, there is there is this pressure on them to perform. They do play Saudi Arabia in this final match day, and you got, uh, you got Poland and Argentina going against each other. They need Poland to beat Argentina, and then they need a win of their own mm-hmm. so they can get through get through on four points. Um, otherwise, they gotta they got to beat the brakes off Saudi Arabia and then hope that uh, they can get past Poland on goal differential if, if Argentina wins. So, right and right um, now, that's a four-goal differential they're looking at right now. Yeah, and that, that's going to be tough to overcome because yep. Poland is not a bad team. So um, this this is maybe, to me, um, I think this is probably the most interesting, um, one of the more interesting groups 
that still needs to play out because he'll end up working himself out. I mean, there's a real chance that Lionel Messi might may not be advancing to the round of 16. Like, that's... And Argentina has had some of that heartbreak previously. Yeah. Um, and some of it has happened in the later round. But for them not to get out of the group stage would be a shocker. And you can point directly to losing to Saudi Arabia. That's just something you can't have happen. Right. I mean, and they're talking... When that happened, I think they were... I read that that was cons- that that's considered one of the biggest upsets in World Cup history. Saudi Arabia taking down the mighty Lionel Messi and in Argentina. Yeah, I think the the number that's gone around from an odd standpoint was they were eighteen to one to win that match, um, and that's a that's a huge underdog in yeah. soccer, eighteen to one. So um, when you work in that there could be a draw, you work in how how big of a favorite Argentina was. That's crazy. Absolutely. Group D, France is annihilating people. Australia with a win. I think it's their first World Cup win in, like, the last seven matches or something. It's a, it's a crazy long number or a crazy long time since Australia won a match. Denmark, I think, has been uh, a disappointment so far. They and Tunisia each have one point here. But Denmark plays Australia. Do we see Denmark advancing here, or does Australia prevail? I, I think I would I would probably lean towards Denmark um, just based on the quality and quite frankly I always kind of lean with with the European tradition uh, a little bit more so there but uh, they have they have the win they needed uh, to get to the three points they you know at this point they can move on with a draw so it's it's a good position to be in here um, or for Australia and then in Group E Spain is leading that with uh, four points and they're going to advance because of the seven. Seven plus plus seven goal differential here, but I think the most astounding part is that Germany, through two two games, is all one and one through through two matches here. I think German fans must be going irate right now. This is, I think, one of the more stunning um, storylines that we're seeing so far in this World Cup is that Germany struggling as bad as they are. Yeah, you could live with the 1-1 draw with Spain. You can't really live with the 2-1 loss to Japan. That one hurts. Um, so it's going to be interesting. You've got this last match against Costa Rica. They've got to win it because they're too far back now to try to get by without it. So that's going to be a very interesting storyline. And then you've got uh, Japan and Spain that both, quite frankly, they could you know they could both take a draw and they'd be fine. Um, yeah, Costa Rica needs a win, so that would be the, the that would be the pressure. On them, uh, you know, Costa Rica could get, could get six, so they could potentially jump uh, jump Japan. But um, it's it's an interesting scenario. Germany, you know, one of those teams that um, has had a regime change since they last won the World Cup as far as players and that sort of thing. So they're a little bit more of an unknown, but very eager to see how things turn out here. I've, so let, let's just play a hypothetical here. Let's say Japan and Spain – draw and Germany only beats Costa Rica by one seems like a bit of a stretch but let's just go with this theory here how would that tiebreaker play out because both Japan and Germany would have four points would it go by the number of goals scored then or does it go by who beat who or like how how, where would that second tiebreaker go I'm guessing it goes based off of who, who beat who if that's available um, I also think that, um, yeah, I gotta be honest. I don't know. I, okay. I need to look that up. Uh, but the, the other element in play is I think goals allowed as well. Okay. Um, so that's, that would be the other thing to, to look at. 
Okay. Let me see here on the tiebreaker. It's just it's a hypothetical. We're, we're, we're I'm not thinking it's going to come into play, but you you just never know based on some of the things we have seen so far in this tournament. Yeah, you are right. If if the points are uh, are if goal difference is the same, they go based on most goals in the group stage. So, okay. um, and then after that, it is head to head. So. Okay. And right now, both teams have scored. Two goals. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I would, I'd anticipate Germany scoring more goals than Japan, but that's something to that that we'll keep our eye on here. Uh, Group F: Croatia leading this. Well, actually, Croatia and Morocco are tied with four points. Belgium with three. Again, I, I find that that loss to Morocco maybe a, a bit bizarre. Canada's out. Belgium plays uh, Canada though, and Morocco and Croatia play against one another here. So I would give the edge to Belgium advancing. Is that how you see uh, you, it? You've got Belgium and Croatia playing each other. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Canada? Yeah. I meant Croatia. Yep, I'm yeah. sorry. Croatia. So that's, that's interesting that's more because obviously Belgium, Belgium needs a win. Croatia yes. can win with a loss, but uh, only if Canada gets gets a win. So uh, you really have three teams that have a lot to play for. Obviously, Canada's not getting through. Unlikely that they're going to get a win. So... Uh, the pressure, you know, the pressure is on Belgium, uh, but certainly Croatia doesn't want to lose. It, it's going to be an interest. It's going to be interesting to see how that has to play out. Yeah, I, yeah, I, is is Belgium a disappointment here so far? Or if they don't advance, would that be considered a massive disappointment for them? I think, considering the caliber of the group, I, I think it's fair to say that. I think you would have looked at this and you would have said, "Well, you know, okay, Croatia is going to be tough." But you got to get past Canada and Morocco. You got to be able to trust that you can do that. Um, so Morocco is definitely the surprise of the group. Yeah, absolutely. You got Belgium. Just looking at the odds to advance, odds to get to the round of sixteen. You got Belgium at thirty-three percent, Morocco uh, at ninety-one percent, meaning in a great position with four points. And then uh, who was the other team that? Uh, Croatia seventy-six percent. I think that's mainly because they have to play uh, Belgium. You know that their odds are a little lower because they're playing the team that's behind them, and, I, and frankly, the talent is involved. Morocco knows, hey, all we need is, um, you know, uh, really we need a draw to advance. A win will get it. Win would get them uh, the group stage, uh, you know, first place. Yeah, and again, Morocco again, the kind of geographic proximity there. Uh, group G, Brazil dominating this, Switzerland uh, second, you got Cameroon and Serbia there with one point each. Let's uh, see, who are they Who they all have to play? Uh, yeah, Switzerland and Serbia, so that's uh, that's an interesting, interesting level here. You got Serbia that, you know, if they get the win over Switzerland, they can advance. Um, and then Switzerland, I mean, obviously they would take a drive. If uh, if they can to get through, so and then Brazil on six points, they're facing Cameroon. Um, you know, basically they are assured of getting through. It's just a matter of first or second. Um, I like the chances, obviously, to yeah. to get first when you've already got six points in the bank. Cameroon uh, upsetting Brazil would, I think, almost be bigger than Saudi Arabia over Argentina. I feel feel confident in that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, don't see it happening, but uh, we'll see how Group G plays out. And then finally, Group H. Portugal with six points. Ghana with three. They had the comeback win against South Korea in their second match. They lost to Portugal in their opening match. So Ghana playing Uruguay here, I think, favors them. I think Ghana's a pretty 
pretty good team here. So I'd like Ghana to advance along with Portugal. Do you see anything changing in that, either South Korea or Uruguay getting in? I don't really. I mean, the only good thing is that Uruguay does play uh, Ghana in, in this match. So if you do get the win, you do get through. Yeah. But um, Uruguay's been a, a disappointment to this point. So that it's really on them to summon something here, um, if they can, to get, get past Ghana, get through the group stage. Uh, certainly, I think Portugal is going to beat South Korea, but um, you got to protect against that as well. So, um, Ghana, Uruguay, one of those matches definitely to keep an eye on. And I've, I've just been impressed with Ghana so far. I mean, you, you, you hang with Portugal there, you get you give up that, uh, that lead to South Korea and then come back and ultimately get the win there. I think this Ghana team, if we're, I can't remember if we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but the the most talented team. From Africa, is it Ghana or is it Senegal? I think I think it's Ghana, right? I believe it's Senegal. Oh, it I is. can okay. look quick. All right, let me look. Coming in, coming in. Let's see how they were rated. Yeah, Senegal seventy-five point five, Ghana sixty point five. So yeah, okay. uh, the the metrics like Senegal quite a bit. Morocco is in that same bucket for those African countries. Seventy, you know, seventy-five points in this uh, sports power index that uh, five thirty-eight has. So uh, you know the. Uh, of the teams carrying the flag for Africa, Morocco and Senegal, probably their best chances. Um, and, and looks like both those teams have a good chance of moving on. Yep, and and if Ghana got in too or gets in, that's three teams. We for sure have one team getting on to the round of sixteen. So, so, yeah. so just to back up to the the Group E situation because you can, I, I encourage people to go look at you know play around with this at least while the group stage is still going. But like Group E, if you if you just Put down that Spain's going to play, going to take first place. It gives Germany a seventy-nine percent chance to getting second and still moving out of the group. So that's interesting. Um, you know, for Germany being in last place, it still likes their chances to get out. Um, and then the same thing with with Group H. If you just assume Portugal is going to get first, gives Uruguay fifty percent, Ghana forty-one percent uh, to okay. to get second place in the group. So very interesting to just kind of play around with those different elements, and obviously that. I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit about the bracket here, and that's um, going to you know kind of help color some of my decisions here. So, I, I, and I think it's kind of just based on how the the match schedule lays out. I mean, Germany very fortunate to have to get to get Costa Rica here in their final match. So even though they've struggled through two matches, they still have a chance to advance because they get to play a, a squad like Costa Rica, which just quite frankly isn't very good. Yet, you know, congrats to them for getting that win over Japan. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, so get the round of sixteen. That'll begin on Saturday. You got the Netherlands against the U.S. Uh, those the, the round of sixteen will be December third through the sixth. We'll try and get you on next week if you, you would like to to come back and we'll, we'll recap and react to what's going on in the World Cup. But what are you most looking forward to here in this round of sixteen and how the bracket is going to fall yeah. into place? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see, obviously, the U.S., that's the one part of this bracket we know. I, I think England-Senegal is a, a matchup that, obviously, we know that is going to be interesting. Certainly, we, we think that, um, you know, kind of the way that those Group C, Group D matches are going to shake out, we could have Argentina-France uh, in the, the uh, round of 16. We also could have a very good uh, Switzerland-Portugal match um, in, in the round of 16. And then I, I you know... Just having Uruguay get second place out of its group, uh, chance that they face Brazil, obviously two teams from the same continent uh, in South America, 
you know, a little bit extra juice in that. So I'm, I'm eager to see um, that matchup as well. Finally, uh, I mean, it's impossible to go through this World Cup without, you know, hearing about the different um, issues going on within, within the country itself. Uh, you had what their one of their, their head guys or whatever, you know, in an interview with Piers Morgan said, yeah, anywhere between 400 and 500 people died, you know, during the construction of these stadiums and whatnot. And they were trying to keep that, I think, total hush. Uh, we've seen issues with uh, some of like the hotels not being ready or um, fan zones. It just it, it's been a I don't know a bad experience. It's definitely unique, um, but it feels like maybe the, the Qatar is not was not fully prepared. And then you have FIFA and the and Qatar kind of pulling beer from um, the stadiums. Though I saw on in the match against. Iran with with the U.S. It looked like there was someone holding a cup of beer. So I don't know. Did did uh, policy change during the tournament here? It just feels like there's a lot of controversy surrounding. You know, the, this cloud just keeps hanging over the tournament. Now, fortunately, we've had a lot of good action, a lot of upsets that have maybe taken away from some of those controversial topics. But I mean, even you know, with the Iranian journalist going after Tyler Adams and, and whatnot. Uh, what, what do you make of everything else off of the pitch that we've seen? Well, I think the number one thing, and, you know, this is, I mean, we, we don't have to like it, but it's just a fact. I mean, quite frankly, we're, we're having a discussion about what's happening on the field, and, you know, we knew that was going to be the case because uh, you're a sports podcast. That's what, you know, people want to talk about. Yep. Um, but this is sports washing, right? This is the same thing you got going on with live golf. The same thing you got with with uh, you know Saudi investments in Formula One and and uh, you know club soccer as well is that um, you know bad people are going to try to wash you know they're going to try to uh, use sport to legitimize themselves you know in, in the world and that's absolutely what Qatar has done they bought the World Cup the ability to host the World Cup you're building it literally in the desert uh, in and the uh, the price uh, the monetary price the human price didn't matter to them right. so. You know, once that first ball is kicked off, um, the average fan doesn't care that much about it. Um, I think if you're somebody who has a conscience and you know the backstory of this, um, I don't know how you can watch this and not at least grimace a little bit um, because you know it's just not it's just not a very, you shouldn't have a very good feeling about that. Mm-hmm. I think you can still try to enjoy the games because this is one of those sporting events that everybody in the world you know when, when we're watching the U.S. and Iran, it felt like everybody in the country was watching it, if not the world. Yep. And so, when there just aren't that many events that are like that, you know, uh, you know what events are out there that it feels like that? Maybe the Super Bowl, certainly the Olympics. Yep. That might be it. Yep. Um, so you got to acknowledge all that, and it's it's complicated. I'm not saying I don't I don't hold the players personally liable. They didn't pick to have this event oh, in Qatar, yeah. but certainly um, you're. You know, they built it in the desert. Um, some of these accommodations, like you said, it's basically you're living in a, a boxcar, you know, and there's supposed to be air conditioning. There's supposed to be certain things. There's not. It sounds awful. And if I had spent thousands of dollars to go over there to watch these games to support my team, 
I don't know how I would. I wouldn't feel good, there, and was, I, I I can't imagine guitars giving any refunds. Uh, FIFA so is though. I think I, I read a story. FIFA is giving some refunds for for various fans in certain like hotel or situations. I would I would hope so. I mean, obviously, uh, this is your marquee event, and you know, I I just think the default setting is kind of that that uh, FIFA and, and Qatar are going to try to squeeze every dime they can out of this thing. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the beer. I mean, the beer thing, it's interesting. Um, you know, Budweiser has been uh, the mega sponsor of this event for years, mm-hmm. and you knew this was going to Qatar, a country that's not real crazy about drinking. Um, and then, you know, as we get closer to the World Cup, they crack down. They say, well, we're not going to have the beer in the stadiums. We're not going to have it. Uh, you know, it's basically right now you can't have it in many places aside from uh, hotels. I I believe that from what I've read that it's kind of like any stadium situation uh, that, you know, hey, if you're in the fancy seats, you might be able to see it, still be trans on some booze. Um, there is still non-alcoholic beer. That might have been what you saw oh, previously. If, if somebody's willing to take that on uh, in, in, in these games, I don't know. They obviously got to drink a lot of it probably to feel, feel a little bit of a buzz. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I just find it interesting that uh, you have this conflict that was completely avoidable. Mm-hmm. Um, either you know, no beer at all, which I just never. FIFA was never going. FIFA's, FIFA's trying to thread a needle that's impossible to thread when you're having uh, Budweiser and Qatar try to meet up and yeah. and be on the same page. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Uh, absolutely um, not. Yeah. So so it's it's interesting from that standpoint to see you know that kind of come together and just sort of snicker, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, I made the point today to, to one of my colleagues because we were watching the, watching the game was, you know, um, you know, all these issues, they kind of go away when the first ball's kicked and you don't feel great about that, but it's just kind of the way it is. And I think there's a certain part of like, when you watch the game, everybody's watching pretty much the same feed worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just kind of have that very static or, uh, what do I want to sterile, uh, look from midfield and everything kind of feels like every other soccer game you've ever watched. It feels like every other world cup you've ever watched. And that's, I mean, obviously I, I'm not saying they're going to broadcast in any other way, but you know, it's another way that, that I feel like there's that sport sports washing. It's, it's meant to feel like uh, the world cups in Russia and yeah. like in Brazil and, and wherever else we've had world cups recently. Well, so, um, and, and to that point, you know, I know with like the Olympics in Beijing, there was a lot of uproar about what you know, like China and everything like that. Even with the Olympics in Rio de Janeiro, uh, a few years back, everyone's like, "Well, look what's going on here!" Like you have all this poverty-stricken areas, and look, I mean, you're just going to have these concrete jungles essentially after the Olympics leave. But we didn't really hear a whole lot about that during the Olympics. It was all the, the kind of build up to the opening ceremony and the beginning of the games, and then it all kind of subsided to a degree. I feel it's a little different with this World Cup in particular. I'm seeing more stories about uh, about the beer. I'm seeing more stories about, you know, like maybe some political statements. Like even, what, didn't, didn't several Iranian players not sing the anthem during their first match as kind of a, a political stance towards their country with what's going on and the, the protests and and stuff uh, going on in in around right now. I mean, there's it just feels like there's more of a conscientious uh, effort, maybe. Or I'm just I feel like I'm just seeing more and more stories about these these 
other events not related to what's going on on the pitch that are kind of clouding the event more so than I think we've seen in previous Olympics. I, I think that's probably true. I think the one thing that's true about the Olympics is that we have all this buildup and then we have, but at some point we like the cauldron and we got to play the games. And if yep. you're a journalist that's there for the Olympics, you pretty much are covering the games. Um, you know, the thing with the World Cup is that, okay, well, you've got worldwide journalists, but then you've got the journalists that are there to watch their specific teams. And, and so you have a little bit more of a balance of, well, there's these off days, we're going to write about these other things. And I come back to Qatar just can't seem to get out of its own way in this thing. Yep. You know, you've, had the, you've had numerous conflicts about people wearing uh, rainbow T-shirts or rainbow, you know, a ref, you know, making references to, you know, LGBTQ rights, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, they just can't, they can't get out of their way, even though FIFA has allegedly set rules. They're still denying people from coming into the stadium. They're still telling them you got to change your shirt. Of course, it's 2022. Where this stuff's going to be on social media, yep. so it gets around the world in a in a in a blink. Obviously, we have that element now that we we've, we've had previously, but maybe not to this same degree. So it's just uh, there's so many elements at play that you know these stories just take off. And certainly, the stories out of Iran, exactly what you're saying, where you know 22 year old woman is killed for allegedly speaking out against her government. Um, you know, this is if you're an Iranian player, this is your chance to protest. The world is watching, um, and obviously, the Iranian government doesn't love that. Yeah. Um, and you and you've got, um, you know, why the pressure is going to build uh, on those sorts of things, and so um, it becomes more of a worldwide story. We know about it because of the Iranians not singing the national anthem. We know about it because the U.S. the little stunt, uh, you know, scrubbing yeah, the uh, the Islamic symbol off the flag. So. Yep. Um, it's, it's one of those things where I think just kind of the nature of the tournament where you only play every four days, there's going to be other stories that pop up. And also Qatar can't got to get out of their own way. FIFA can't get out of their own way. Um, those things just kind of all coalesce to, you know, perpetuate some of those stories. I, I feel a little fearful, actually, for some of these Iranian players when they get back, those that maybe didn't sing the anthem or taking a stance against what the government's doing there. A little fearful for them uh, going back home and then also yeah i'm seeing like these commercials about you know qatar and you know we're hosting the world cup or looking to move forward and stuff and join us in this uh journey and whatever i'm like okay you're really you're really pushing for something here because everything else that we're hearing and seeing is completely opposite of what you're trying to convey in this commercial I mean, it's just... Well, I, I, I mean, I think there's uh, certain people that probably could go to Qatar and not have any problem. Yep. But uh, they've, they've got, you know, this is this entire tournament was built on migrants from other countries. Yes. Um, and like we said, a lot of them who died. Um, and, and so they have that kind of same element of inequality and, you know, who's getting rich, that sort of thing in Qatar. So um, it's interesting to see how the marketing money is spent on this thing. There's certainly a sports washing element with Fox. I mean, uh, you've got you know Qatari Airlines and, and Qatari government, uh, you know, paying paying the freight on a lot of this. So, um, you know, you got to go in with your eyes wide open. I'm not saying we shouldn't enjoy the tournament, uh, but it definitely it's something I, I think about uh, basically anytime you talk about Qatar as a host country. Yeah. It's, it's not something you feel great about. Yep. Nope. Uh, agreed. Fully agree. Well, Marcus, I appreciate the time as always. Uh, looking forward to talking with you here over the next several weeks uh, as this tournament progresses. And uh, to end, let me be among the last to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. 
Very good. I and of course among the first to, to wish you a happy Christmas, right? I mean, this is this is the uh, you know it, it's really about either being first or being last. Wishing yes. uh, you know uh, wishing you the holidays and then getting into that you know Bills uh, Dolphins highlight um, you know with Tom Jackson. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> you know it all too well. You know it all too well. Where I was going with it? Yep. It's a it's a Chris Berman staple. It's a Chris Berman staple for sure. Marcus, appreciate the time as always. Uh, looking forward, uh, to, like I said, to chatting with you here over the next several weeks. And uh, in- enjoy the tournament as it continues to unfold. Okay, thanks, Jack. All right, thank you, Marcus. Marcus Traxler here, kind enough to spend some time with us. Great conversation regarding the World Cup. Um, so you got the answer there, Travis, about why people like soccer. So regardless if it's a 0-0, you have all these little intricacies in there. But, yeah, there are several storylines outside of the the games themselves. And by the time you listen to this podcast, you'll know about several of these results on the like these different groups and who's advancing to the round of 16. We're recording this after only groups A and B are done. There's still a lot. Um, uh, it, it's just a lot to react to, so it's been it's been a fun tournament thus far. But we're gonna we're gonna st- go from one football in the FIFA World Cup to another football, American football, and that's where we will end this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast with a look back at Week 12 and preview Week 13. So let us go to Week 12 Thanksgiving Day triple header. We had the Bills beat the Lions 28-25. The Bills win at Ford Field for the second time in four days. Remember, they had that game with Cleveland. Moved to Detroit because of weather in Buffalo there with that six and a half feet of snow. Lions were game in this one, and it looked like they were going to win or force overtime. But Josh Allen hits Stephon Diggs on a big catch. They drive down a little bit further. Tyler Bass makes a field goal, and the Bills prevail over the Detroit Lions, 28-25. Giants had a 13-7 lead at half against the Dallas Cowboys, and then the Cowboys just took over in the second half. Dak Prescott, Tony Pollard, uh, Zeke Elliott, everyone, good. Uh, they, Tony Pollard, I guess, didn't have a great game. Zeke had a decent game. Dak Prescott was fine. The defense great in the second half. They beat the Giants 28-20. Travis and I talked about the Vikings against the Patriots. Vikings win 33-26. Lack of, again, bad defense, but the pass rush came through when they needed it to. Kenny Longwu with a kickoff return for a touchdown after the Patriots scored on the opening drive of the second half. And then Kirk Cousins, we're not used to seeing a good primetime Kirk. He was good in this one. Three touchdowns, one interception. Justin Jefferson, fantastic day. Nine catches, 139 yards and a touchdown. Vikings get the win, 33-26, to get the bad taste of that loss to the Cowboys the week before out of their mouths, and they improve to 9-2. Sunday, then, the Carolina Panthers beat the Denver Broncos 23-10. The Broncos' offense is just terrible. Russell Wilson is is bad. Nathaniel Hackett, their head coach, he's going to be gone you would think at this point um, uh, one of the defensive tackles or whatever for Denver got a penalty, then got into it with Russell Wilson, saying some things. It's it's bad. Sam Darnold started at quarterback for the Panthers in this game. He got the win. So congrats to the Panthers who stay alive in the NFC South battle. Why is that? Because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose to teams like the Cleveland Browns. Browns beat the Bucs 23-17 in overtime. Uh, they were... 
the the Bucks or the Browns were trailing in this game late in the fourth quarter. Jacoby Brissett finds David and Joku with an incredible one-handed catch in the end zone to tie the game up. The Browns ultimately prevail in overtime because the Bucks offense stunk, uh, couldn't move the ball at all, and the Browns win 23-17. Game of the week probably took place in Jacksonville, a late kickoff because of weather. Uh, Ravens, all they could muster were field goals early on, but they did end up having a 19-10 lead. The Jaguars come storming back, uh, pun intended, I guess. Uh, Ravens would regain the lead, and then Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence throws a touchdown pass to Marvin Jones. The shin hit inside, did it? Uh, that's up for debate, but they called it a touchdown on the field. Replay really couldn't overturn it. Go for two, they get it. Jaguars have a 28-27 lead. The Ravens get in position where Justin Tucker attempts a 67-yard field goal. Just misses it. I mean, he was dead center, about three yards short. And also Jackson DeVille wearing an American thong. I mean, that that was that's the highlight of this game. The Jaguars mascot not wearing his mascot suit because it got wet. So what does he do? Wears an American thong along with his mascot head. Dolphins beat the Texans 30-15. Dolphins had a 30-0 lead in this one. They rest their starters for the majority of the second half. Texans try and come back. Ultimately fell short. Dolphins win. Mike White got the start uh, over Zach Wilson for the Jets at quarterback, and he played great in the rain. 325 yards passing, three touchdowns. Jets beat a bad Bears team without Justin Fields. Trevor Simeon started. They overwhelmed the Bears 31-10. No Joe Mixon, no Jamar Chase, but in a rematch of the AFC Divisional Playoff from a year ago, the Cincinnati Bengals still had the same outcome. A win, a W. They get the 20-16 win over the Tennessee Titans. Bengals defense kept Derrick Henry in check in this one. Titans looked like they were going to have a chance uh, late. Um, the Bengals were attempting a field goal, but Titans ran into the long snapper. That's a penalty. You can't do that. Bengals took knees. Uh, T. Higgins, wide receiver for the Bengals, over 100 yards and a touchdown in this one. He was great, and the Bengals get the 2016 win. The Washington Commanders, all they do is win with Taylor Heineke, except when they play the Vikings. The Commanders get another win, 19-13, over the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Falcons were driving late, looked like they were going to get a game-tying touchdown, maybe a game-winning touchdown if the extra point was good, but... Marcus Mariota, pass intended for Cordero Patterson, was intercepted. Commanders win 19-13. They unveil a Sean Taylor statue, and it was bad. They can't get out of their own way, but on the on-field product seems to be pretty good right now. Commanders improved to 7-5. Chargers get the 25-24 win over the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals were leading this game throughout for the most part. A lot of turnovers from both teams, but the Chargers with a late drive, they get a touchdown. Justin Herbert passed to Austin Eckler. Just got it across the end zone, and then they go for two. Well-designed play. Herbert hits uh, Gerald Everett, the tight end, and the Chargers win 25-24. Raiders have won two consecutive road overtime games. They get the 40-34 win over the Seattle Seahawks, Josh Jacobs, uh, walk-off 86-yard touchdown run for the Raiders. Derek Carr threw an interception on his first pass of the game. He also got hit later on in the first quarter, had to leave for a little bit. Thought maybe that would be the end, but he came back, played great. 
A lot of offense here in this one, but the Seahawks uh, ultimately could they lose at home to the Raiders, who improved to four and seven against a, a heavily depleted uh, team, a Rams team void of talent. The Kansas City Chiefs kind of toyed with them for the most part in the battle of former Missouri teams. Now it's just Kansas City being that lone Missouri team. They win 26-10. to was an impressive win for the Chiefs, but they got the win, and that's all that matters. Same for, goes for the 49ers. They beat the Saints 13-0. Offense was not good for the 49ers in this one. Alvin Kamara, a couple fumbles for the Saints. This 49ers defense is playing really good right now. They win 13-0. Eagles beat the Packers 40-33, entertaining game. Touchdowns going back and forth in the first half. Eagles get a touchdown late, and then they they kind of, I don't know, pull away in the second half. Aaron Rodgers had to leave the game with an oblique injury, bad ribs. He got getting hit. Jalen Hurts over 150 yards rushing and 150 yards passing. The rare 150-150 for a quarterback, but he was really good, and the Eagles improved to 10-1. and The Monday Night Football, the Pittsburgh Steelers get the upset win over the Indianapolis Colts, 24-17. They're up 16-3 at half. Matt Ryan looked terrible. The Colts did look better in the second half. Had a chance to potentially tie the game late. Some bad clock management, turnover on downs, and the Steelers get the 24-17 win. So let's make some picks for Week 13. It begins Thursday night. On Amazon Prime, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time. The 8-3 Buffalo Bills at the 6-5 New England Patriots. Patriots, this is almost a must-win for you. The Bills have looked a little suspect here in recent weeks. Still going to take them, though. I like the Bills over the Patriots. They've had the Patriots number here as of late. New York Jets at the Minnesota Vikings, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. I'm hesitant to pick the Vikings here. Mike White resurgent Jets offense last week against the Vikings defense that's not that good a little hesitant to pick them and you know what the the Vikings or the Jets defense is really good Sauce Gardner against Justin Jefferson that'll be interesting but I'll go with the Vikings at home do not let me down Vikings Pittsburgh Steelers at the Atlanta Falcons 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS I think Pittsburgh can win this game they're gonna have a lot of Steelers fans there but the Falcons are playing really good football right now. I, early on, I would have said Steelers, no, without question. Now I think I'm going to pick the Falcons to win this game. Don't say that with a great de- degree of confidence. Denver Broncos at the Baltimore Ravens, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. The Ravens' schedule is easy, but as you can tell, they don't. They haven't been able to fare well against these bad teams, the Carolina Panthers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now you get the Denver Broncos. Ravens should win easily. But it's they haven't they need to win. That's that's what matters most. Green Bay Packers at the Chicago Bears, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Sounds like Aaron Rodgers will play. Not sure about Justin Fields, but right now Aaron Rodgers still owns the Packers. So until that doesn't until that stops, I'm taking Green Bay. Detroit, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars at the Detroit Lions, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. I'd like to pick De- De- Jacksonville in this one. I'm going with the Detroit Lions. They'll play just a little bit better football. They're playing at home. Give me the Lions with the win here. Cleveland Browns at the Houston Texans, 1 p.m. Eastern noon Central Time on CBS. Deshaun Watson, it'll be his first game back and playing against his former team. Think of the motivation is going to be there. No one really wants to see Deshaun Watson outside of Cleveland Browns fans. 
No one's really going to cheer for the Browns outside of Browns fans because of Deshaun Watson being on the team and playing. But the Browns are still going to get the win. The Texans are a bad team. Browns get the win. Washington Commanders at the New York Giants, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Giants have lost two in a row. Their offense isn't very good. Washington just continues to find ways to win. Giants, prove me wrong here. I'm going to go with Washington. Prove me wrong. Tennessee Titans at the Philadelphia Eagles, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. I'd love to see the Titans beat the Eagles. This is the A.J. Brown Bowl. A.J. Brown's going to want to have a good game against his former squad. It's going to be tough for the Titans to contain that Eagles offense. Give me the Eagles to beat the Titans in this one. And then how about the Seattle Seahawks at the L.A. Rams, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Aaron Donald might have a high ankle sprain. I mean, the Rams are just a bad team, injury-riddled. It's not good right now. Give me Seattle all over the Rams. 12 will show out in L.A. Miami Dolphins at the San Francisco 49ers, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on Fox. I like this Dolphins team. I like their offense. But this 49ers defense is great. I think they win a fairly low-scoring game in what is potentially a Super Bowl preview. Kansas City Chiefs at the Cincinnati Bengals, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Sounds like Jamar Chase is going to come back. Sounds like Joe Mixon is going to come back. Until, I mean, the Bengals beat the Chiefs twice last year. Can they do it three times in a row? I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes and company here, but I don't say that with a great degree of confidence. L.A. Chargers at the Las Vegas Raiders, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on CBS. Chargers flirting with disaster. Raiders getting a little more confidence here. Get a win, and you kind of get back in this wild card mix. Remember, this is where the the Chargers blew it last year in not getting to the playoffs. I'll take the Chargers to beat the Raiders. Let's see what Vegas can do here. Indianapolis Colts at the Dallas Cowboys, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. How, why is this game still at 7.20? Oh, because it's Dallas? Okay, fair enough. Cowboys roll over the Colts in the Monday Night Football New Orleans Saints at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. We'll go with the Bucks, even though this is a crucial game for both teams who can stay alive in the NFC South race. That's how bad the NFC South is. And those are your Week 13 picks. Official picks and predictions can be found in the stack, stackattack.sportsblog.com in our Football Friday post. Talked a lot this week. A lot of football, college, professional, football, FIFA World Cup. We had Travis. Talk with Travis, of course. A lot of college basketball talk with him as well. Charlie with the college football. And we made picks for conference championship week. Marcus with Marcus Traxler with talking about the FIFA World Cup. You can find Marcus on Twitter at Marcus Traxler. Find Charlie on Twitter at C.E. Hildebrand. Find Travis on Twitter at Travis Crins, myself on Twitter at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken, a link to the po- a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. You can also find the Sports Block podcast on podcast.com and on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Uh, my voice is just about gone, so with that being said, have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the World Cup. Congrats to the U.S. for advancing. Enjoy your college football weekend, all the conference championship games. We'll see how the college football playoff uh, shakes out. Enjoy your NFL Sunday. Enjoy all the college basketball. We'll talk about it all next week. So for all of us here at the Sports Block Podcast, for Travis and Charlie and Marcus, I'm Nathan. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you next week.
on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.